With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show with Brian Bonner. The finest uncooperative conservative radio on the net. Kicking down the walls, blowing away the smoke screens. You cockroaches, and you know who you are. You can run, but you can't hide. Brian Bonner stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Enemies of America, foreign and domestic. Consider yourself on notice. Uncooperative Radio is coming for you. To the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening to uncooperativeradio.com. And I'm here with my lovely wife and producer, Susan. Hello, Susan. Hello, American Patriots. What are we talking about this evening? It's Sunday, so we start with a prayer. Then we're going to go right into it with the ups and downs for the week. We must once again visit the new police state. Then the newly elected Republicans are caving on net neutrality. We'll tell you how. This is just a wonderful that we were, you know, everybody went out to the polls and elected these idiots and they are not even listening Circus to us. Circus and bread. I, I keep I'm trying t- to tell everybody that you can't fix D.C. by sending people to D.C. It's not going to happen. Only the states can save us. We need the states to intervene between us and the general government as intended. It was Benjamin Franklin's birthday yesterday, so we're going to go back in history for this one, folks. And Brian will review an essay entitled, which I hope we do get to, A North Carolina Precedent for Judicial Review, which is one of your favorite topics to have your head explode if you're not wearing Gorilla Tape. <laughs> yeah, well, I will say, uh, before I say the prayer, one of my prayers were answered. Uh, I cleaned the screen on my laptop. And the laptop has a internal cracked screen somehow. It, you know, the blacks are red and the whites are blue. Uh, and today, whites white, blacks black. I, I have no idea how cleaning the glass fixed it. It's the second time it happened. It won't last. But I don't go back to the way it was. Maybe I should just wash it with soap and water every day. <laughs> All right. Time for a prayer. This one for hope. Most prayers are from prayersforstrength.net. Father, give me hope as I feel alone and powerless. Please show me what lies beyond what I can see. Allow me to have the faith and strength to achieve what I do not yet know. Amen. All right. The ups and downs for the week. Who wants to take a bet on whether we get through them or not? 
and you're moving around like crazy. Yeah, I know. You can hear all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't get comfortable. I'm sorry. Oh, and you don't want to sit someplace for three hours and be uncomfortable. It's like having a having a little piece of wire in the tip of your finger that just drives you nuts every time you touch it. All right, the ups and downs for the weekend. We are starting with a down. Big surprise. <laughs> it must be a lot of downs. I couldn't find any ups. I really couldn't. I couldn't I, find a pure wait up. Wait a minute, none? Not Could a you pure please one. stay on the on, on where I can see what's going on? Thank you. Um, I just got to make sure the levels are all right. It looks a little low to me. I don't know. That's just me. This is from cnsnews.com. Now, she, how could it be the ups and downs for the week when you told everybody you couldn't find any ups? Because there's a lot of up downs. So then it's just a <laughs> it's just a downs for the week. From CNS News, Christina Ariaga, executive director of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, is outraged that the government has become one of the major obstacles to the free practice of religion in the United States. I find it abhorrent that the institution that is supposed to protect our religious liberty has become one of the main sources of the violence of our religious liberty, Ariaga told CNSNews.com on Friday. Well, let me try and help you out there. Uh, I, I just don't understand how she gets confused. They're not... We don't get our liberty from the government. I find it abhorrent that the institution that is supposed to protect our religious liberty, no, it's not. The Constitution was only referring to the federal government and nobody else at the time, and that that just means the federal government can't stop you from freely expressing your religion, of course, which it does anyway, constantly. Uh, but this is showing, as we're going to go through this whole show and previous shows, we can't fix the Constitution if nobody understands what it is. This is the mindset. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? I'm, we don't want to fix the Constitution. I mean, enforce the, okay, live under the Constitution if nobody knows what it is. Everybody's in this kind of mindset that we have to go to our government for all our this, liberties. All this is not normal. All that national, national government is not normal. It's illegal, actually. Everything, every bill they pass is unconstitutional. No, not, I know what you'll say. Well, we're for funding of uh, the military. Yeah, that'd be fine if they just passed a bill to fund the military. And not put a bunch of other stuff in it. That's right. Every earmark is unconstitutional. Therefore, the whole bill is unconstitutional. See? Because the president can only veto and send back. There's no line item veto. And there won't be one without an amendment to the Constitution. But well, again, there shouldn't be one. Don't let me say it won't, because this government right now can do whatever the hell it wants, it seems. And again, she's going to the government for liberty. Our liberty comes from God. If she's a religious person, she should know that. The Bill of Rights, I told you, the Bill of Rights screws everything up. It screws up the fact that uh, the Constitution is not a set of cannot do for the government. It does not list everything the government cannot do. It lists only what the government can do. And some specific can't do's that were going on under the Articles of Confederation. Uh, we don't need the Bill of Rights. The, before the Bill of Rights, all the things the Bill of Rights protects, yeah, there's nothing in the Constitution that allows them to do any of that. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendment goes without saying. 
because we built the thing. We built the government. So, of course, all power not enumerated to the government is left to the states and the people, respectively. And, of course, our rights are unlimited. The government's rights are limited. That's the point of the Constitution. So, just just take the Bill of Rights out of your mind for a second. I know this is something that's going to be impossible because you haven't read the, uh, the Constitution. You've only read the Bill of Rights. Because most people don't think that's the whole Constitution. And the rest of that stuff is just boring, you know, administrative stuff. Um, no. The Bill of Rights is redundant. It's not needed. It's extra protection. And still, because we gave them words to play with, they played with them. And, and we don't call them on it. Again, the Supreme Court of the United States is not supposed to be deciding what's constitutional or not. The state legislatures and we, the people, decide. We created it. We were here first. First, we, the people, were here. And then we made government. Because you want... I, I can't explain this to these anarchists out there. We will always build government because the, when you try to live without government, you have anarchy, nothing gets done, people get murdered, rape, pillaging, all that stuff happens because there's no law. They can do whatever they want. Might be, makes right, right? Hmm, that's a good, I want to live there. Um, no, we don't want that. The natural state of things before we created government was anarchy. Obviously, there was no government. There was no law. We created law. We created government to make order. Not, But see, you could go too far with order, just like you could go too far with chaos. What you need is a nice balance in between. A little yin and yang principle, you know. Today is Religious Freedom Day. Uh, whenever this was written, and we were very excited to commemorate Thomas Jefferson's writing of the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, which was eventually passed by the Virginia General Assembly and incorporated in the founding documents, she said. The 1786 statute says that all men shall be free to profess and, by argument, to maintain their opinion in matters of religion, and that the same shall in no wise diminish, enlarge, or affect their civil capacities. Ariaga recounted several significant victories for religious liberty last year, including the landmark Hobby Lobby case, which supports the idea that for-profit corporations are entitled to exercise their religious liberties, and that is how we believe our founders intended. Again, we don't need the Supreme Court, because we have all of our rights. We didn't give up any of them to create government. Government doesn't have the power we have. We have all of it. We just have to wield it. Hobby Lobby, that's what we want to do. What, worry about five to four decisions for the rest of our lives, right? Come on, how can you honestly even think that they're doing anything resembling factual law when five to four, five to four, five to four, five to four, how come there's not all agreement? All of the time. Because it's law. There's nothing to mistake. Every judicial mind should see the law exactly the same way. The way the, fa the framers intended it. Whoever made the legislation. How they intended it. The spirit of the law. 
But no, let's let the Supreme Court take power for itself and decide what's constitutional or not. Amazing. I don't know what we would do without that national government. Well, we need a little bit of it, but it's, wow. That thing is, it, it's like a pea in the bottom. It, that, that That's left of the national government where it's supposed to be, just like a pea. All right. So uh, supports Profit Corporation. She also pointed, I, I keep trying to explain that people are people. People own corporations. Lots of people own corporations because they're, on the stock market and they sell stocks. So all the stockholders are people, are they not? If the stockholders don't want them to do something, it's up to the stockholders to say so, not the government. Now, we're not even talking government overreach, ladies and gentlemen. The government has left the building, okay? (laughs) It's left the building. The government was supposed to have has left the building, and most of the states are little mini-me's. And all of them, to some extent. I know, yes, even Texas. Boy, I'm tired of hearing about Texas, I'll tell you. She also pointed to the preliminary injunction the court granted to another Beckett client, the Little Sisters of the Poor. Oh, my, my sisters. I met them when I was at the monastery in D.C. Uh, they're the Franciscan Friars sisters. They're the sister version of it. And no, there were no women when St. Francis uh, had his little monks and created that this whole his whole philosophy. But later on, well, women wanted to become nuns and they liked the Franciscan way of life, the way they do things, the way they think. And yes, of course there's poor in there because Francis was a rich kid. And something happened, I forget the whole story, but something clicked in him. And he wanted to be poor, so he gave everything he had away. And then he begged for his food every day. Much to the concern, uh, consternation of his father looking out the window while his son is begging like a common pauper. And he was, and his father is rich. It was a, he was a complete embarrassment to his father. Uh, that's okay. We don't. He wasn't doing it for his father. But the little sisters are. Uh, it's such a it's such a nice name too. Little sisters of the poor. You picture all these little girls. <laughs> <laughs> to protect them from government fines until they had their day in court. We are expecting a decision from the Tenth Circuit anytime. But. Both of those cases involve the Department of Health and Human Services controversial contraceptive mandate, which currently is being challenged by more than 100 active lawsuits, she pointed out. We also want a case involving a Sikh woman who had been battling the IRS. The, the problem is so, so it's the if we followed the Constitution, this could not happen. This Department of Health and Human Services is unconstitutional, period. Needs to go, shouldn't be listened to, and no state should allow them inside their borders. We should just say no. To government, yes. But just not say no. anarchy, limited government. But no, t- we don't need any more government. That is for sure. So all you people out there want to make more government and more words to the Constitution, etc. We don't need any of that. We don't need more of anything. And this is why we're saying to take the states back, because these people within that state, 
their governor should be protecting them from the national government. Yes, the IRS is, can do whatever they want without a, without a warrant, without going to the courts. See, they just start, they we, make people kill themselves, and yet nothing bad happens to them. And, and I don't know, we lose Lois Lerner's emails. Oops, and then we found them again. And yet nothing happens to Lois Lerner, even though it's clear that uh, she was purposely uh, putting conservative groups under a microscope so that she could keep extending it and delaying it and delaying it, and she succeeded in doing it. This is the problem. She she committed a crime. She succeeded in stopping those organizations before the election, and that was the goal, to get past that election. Now the new ones have to get past a whole other election. Um, but, no, she's not going to jail, right? No. No. I, are we ever going to see any, any of our money again, too, from the national government? No. If you have government bonds, you're full. But it's that, a matter of time before there's nothing to pay you. Well, anymore. and that's why I say I'm always going to be going to jail because I have no protection from my state. That's right. Well, as individuals standing up against the giant federal bureaucracies that we've allowed to create unconstitutionally. But people don't understand, look, first of all, Congress didn't have the power to begin with to do all those things up there. No, they don't, because elections don't have consequences. The rule of law is the Constitution. Nowhere in the Constitution does it allow them to do that. See? That fixes that problem right there. Back to the Constitution, bad behavior gone. Bad people gone. But if we stand alone, we'll get crushed. We have to come together. The best way to do that and to do it constitutionally is to take back the government with all constitutional people that understand constitution, limited government and liberty, all the way up to the governor, reassert constitutional authority, and uh, say, we will decide what laws are constitutional or not in our state. And you will not enforce any laws we say are unconstitutional within the state on my citizens. And then comes the part about, no, we're not taking any more money from the national government because it's unconstitutional. But we're not giving you any unconstitutional money either. And you're not allowed to ever come into my borders and try and do anything to my citizens without first stopping at my office. And the courts, Or you will go to jail. And the courts can pound sand. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to be... Re- no, all the courts, they'll all be replaced. As we're, We need to get, replace the people of the courts of the state, too. Uh, they're all a bunch of uh, mini-me judicial tyrants. The whole lot of them aren't following any constitution or any rule of law. Well, we need to fix that. Remember, and you, when you hear someone say elections have consequences, you know that they have no idea that the constitution exists. Just, oh, maybe they they know the paper exists, but as far as they're concerned, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of paper. To us, however, it is something much, much more. So they also want a case involving a Sikh woman who had been battling the IRS over her right to carry a kirpan, a symbol of her faith, and the waiting for the Supreme Court to decide Holt v. Hobbs in which we defended the right of a Muslim prisoner to exercise his religion. Ariaga, see, you're, there you go again. You're idiots. You're just shiny bauble people. Muslims is Muslim, Islam is not a religion. I'm sorry. Does a religion have government built into it? No? Yeah, no. So it's not. No, it's more than a religion, right? It's a, 
What? Well, who was Muhammad? Muhammad was a conqueror. What was the purpose of all all the religion? Well, it was to keep his people in line because everybody had to be a Muslim, and the government was Muslim. The government beating Muhammad, and so he didn't have to worry about uprisings. So he could move faster with his troops without having to stop and have a bunch of them sit there and make sure they keep the peace. That that was a problem back then. This was the first blitzkrieg. They came across they, they came across and just unbelievably went through North Africa, the Middle East, up into Spain, taking over almost all of what was called Christendom back then. Okay, she's a Sikh. Her kirpan would be her dagger. That's why they, they don't want her to carry her ceremonial dagger. Because it's a real dagger. So what? Let everybody carry weapons and there's no problem. Carry knives, carry guns, carry whatever you want. That's what the, that's what the Second Amendment was supposed to protect. See, it didn't work. I told, I, you can't make more words to make the Constitution work. You add more words, you break the Constitution. Anyway, so they also defended the Pledge of Allegiance because the precise words under God mean that our rights do not come from the government, so the government cannot take them away. Absolutely correct. And what is that called? What kind of rights, Susan? Unalienable. Say it again? Unalienable. Unalienable rights. That's right. See, inalienable rights... You can give away. And and when they say government cannot take away, uh, yes, they can, but not without coercive force. All your inalienable rights are given to you by God, and you have them independent of everything. Government people are otherwise. It's, it's, just, it's, who you, it's who you are as an individual. You can't take that away unless you remove them from society and put them in a, in a cage. Now you control everything, and I lose all my rights until you let me out. And the minute I step outside, I got them all back again. Because you can't take them. Inalienable rights, you can. And that's why everybody has moved to this inalienable rights nonsense. Just read the Declaration of Independence, ladies and gentlemen. It's unalienable rights. And no, they do not mean the same thing. The difference is unalienable rights cannot be taken from you, nor can it be given away. Inalienable rights cannot be taken from you, but can be given away. That's a small distinction unless you're talking about wanting to be, uh, I don't know, free and have liberty. That is a very significant difference. And there's a reason they want it to go to inalienable rights and not unalienable. So I am constantly correcting everybody to... To their chagrin, they hate me for it. But it has to be done because it has to stop. Because there's a reason they want us to use it. And the reason is, you're saying you can give your your rights up, and you did so by creating a government. But Ariaga warned that despite his recent court victories, believers should not take their religious freedom for granted. So you turned that to a complete down. (laughs) Again. Sorry. (laughs) This is supposedly an up-down. Was that a, that was a down? Yes, it was a down. Okay. Just making sorry, sure. it's, your, it's your choice. Did you get confused? No, I knew it was a down. <laughs> I just made sure, made certain that you we agreed. You said I changed it to a down. Don't try and cover up now. They all heard you. <laughs> 
Okay, from Fox News. A woman died hours after giving birth to quadruplets at a Phoenix hospital. A close friend of the family said Saturday. Erica Morales, 36, never got to hold her newborns before she passed away early Friday morning after a C-section surgery at Banner Good Samaritan Medical Center, Nicole Todman said. They were transporting her from the surgery to whatever room and she was still unconscious at that point. So, no, she never got to see them, Todman said. Morales was about seven months into her pregnancy when she delivered three girls and one boy Thursday, according to Todman. She has been one of the few able to visit the premature newborns and said they are doing well. They're beautiful, Todman said. They have tubes in their mouths and their noses. They've got little monitors and wires all over their body. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. What the heck is wrong with him? And by the way, who gave this woman... uh, fertility treatment i'm getting tired of this and i want to know who's paying for it the last quadruple thousand kid one she's on welfare so medicaid pays for that really who paid for it i know we're paying for all those kids just like we're gonna probably be paid for these i don't even care to know todman uh wait a minute where was i uh wrong wrong beautiful yeah okay the infants will likely remain hospitalized for the next two months while doctors help them to get stronger and each reach a goal weight of five pounds, Todman said. Currently, they all weigh between just above two pounds to just above three pounds. Morales was initially hospitalized for high blood pressure. She had eclampsia. Complications ensued before Morales was taken into surgery. Yep. Todman said she does not know what led to her passing. I don't even care to know, Todman said. It doesn't matter why, she's still gone. Hospital spokesman Tony Eberhardt declined comments Saturday, but she released a statement from the hospital. Our heartfelt thoughts and condolences are with the family during this very difficult time. I'm telling you, she had preeclampsia. And then she probably went total eclampsia. But Morales, a real estate agent, and her husband, Carlos, works in manufacturing, had been trying to conceive a baby for two years, Todman said. She said Morales tried everything from acupuncture to fertility treatments. Morales suffered a miscarriage before becoming pregnant last June. Todman, who has been best friends with Morales since childhood, said Morales was more nervous about being a new mother than raising four children at once. Because of her previous miscarriage, Morales was apprehensive about getting too excited about the baby's arrival. She mainly focused on doing things correctly through, throughout her pregnancy, such as eating enough, Todman said. Her focus of her pregnancy was to make sure she did everything to make sure they were healthy, so she was able to bring them into this world, and she did, Todman said. On Friday, Todman started a GoFundMe raising, fundraising website for Carlos Morales and the infants on Friday. The site had received more than $15,000 in donations as of Saturday afternoon. I'm so grateful for the overwhelming support and the wonderful comments, and so are Carlos and Sandra, Erica's mother. They are so entirely grateful, Todman said. Wow, $15,000 and not from the government. Yeah, this is a couple of things that I wanted to get in on this. First of all, unfortunately, the first thing I thought of is if they were illegal or not. Okay, (laughs) 
And you know what? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. The second thing is that she was a real estate agent. So she, you, when you do a real estate, just like our daughter's doing Oh, there we know. You can't be a legal alien to do real right, estate. Right, because you have to get a license in the state with which you are. Right. And you have to be registered in the whole bit. But the bad part was the first thing I thought of was if they were illegal or not. And that is directly our government putting that Sorry, mindset. Hispanic folk out yep, there. Yep, but that's what that's the it. illegals are doing, dude. Yep. That's exactly what they're we, doing. We can't tell. You know, there's not something stamped on your forehead that says you're here legally. So be mindful of what your fellow Latinos and Latinas are doing to the the other people. Because you're going to get lumped in with them. Yep. I know. And that's the first thing I thought. Then I also thought that it was good that she had gone to term. Now these four human beings are in this no, world. No, I don't think that was term. Well, no, she was seven no. months. Yeah, yeah she that's was. not term. That's pre. That's premature. Right, but they still they the family decided that even though there was risks, they were still going to have these babies. It makes me cry. <laughs> you well, know, because I think about all the people that nobody, have abortions. Nobody knew she had pre. She she would get preeclampsia. Uh, that's something that nobody knows until it happens, and if it's not picked on upon quick, may not get as fast a response as you need. Uh, it's, it's extremely deadly, and it, it, you can't wait. The, everybody from the EMT slash paramedic on the street up to and including the chief administrator has to be aware of this and because the emergency room has to move when the ambulance comes in. The ambulance can't just sit around asking a bunch of questions when they realize, oh, my, I think this might be preeclampsia. Run to the hospital, get out. <laughs> you can't fix it. Run to the hospital, hurry up, get their attention, and then hopefully they get right to work immediately, not put her in a corner somewhere, which happens. Uh, This is something, believe it or not, that is completely underplayed in medical training. Completely. It's just another thing. Oh, preeclampsia. You've got to be aware. That's life-threatening to both the baby and the mother. And when 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 they die, they're dead. You You can't bring them back to life. I know you people think we do, but we don't. So this was a down because of that, but it was an up because she did go through this to bring four human beings into this world. Yeah, again, I'd like to know. And they're not going to be on welfare. I want to know who paid for all this because. (laughs) Well, she was a real estate agent. Todman, it's not her husband. It's a friend. No, Morales is the friend. No, Morales is the. No, no, you got this all wrong. I got it all wrong. Okay, I Let's must see. go back and reread it then. Morales was apprehensive about getting too excited. See, I told you she was the mother. About the baby's arrival, she mainly focused on doing things correctly throughout her pregnancy, such as eating it up. Okay, and then Todman is the friend. Yes. But she is married. Carlos and Sandra. What? Are grateful, Todman said. On Friday, Todd would start GoFundMe. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? This is confusing. For Carlos Morales. <laughs> this is confusing. And the <laughs> infants. Okay, see, now they brought up... Okay, here's the confusing. here's the male, Carlos Morales. See, we kind of jumped past that. <laughs> For Carlos Morales and the infants, so that must be the father in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and he's taking care of the kids. Uh, 
Right. He's got the kids. And so this Toddman, who's the friend, made the GoFundMe site. Right. And got $15,000 Yeah, Morales, Morales, the real estate agent, that's the wife, and her husband, Carlos, who works in manufacturing. So she is married. They are stable. They probably, through her insurance company, because she's a real estate agent, she probably got pretty good insurance in him manufacturing. And the real estate agent depends how good a real estate agent well, you are and how say- big the market is. I'm it's a commission-driven they're thing. They're not on welfare. <laughs> well, I don't. You don't know that. Actually, just because she has a job doesn't mean she's not getting welfare. Well, they both have jobs. Well, then they're probably not. They might right. have enough money, I would imagine. Yes, they both have jobs. So, but again, to see where again, our mind is going you're to. Still making <laughs> a, you're, you're still making assumptions, and that makes an ass out of you of me. I don't know the facts. <laughs> I, I don't like doing things without facts. I can, I can conjecture all day long about everything. Uh, but it, it's, it, And it probably would be pretty interesting, but... It's uh, it's not not what I try and do, you know. All right, we're going to go to commercial break. It's Cooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned because we'll be right back. The Terry O'Brien Show. The Terry O'Brien Show airs live in vivid red, white, and blue. Sundays, 4 to 6 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. I think that most liberals are well-intentioned but misguided. They're like children who have the luxury of believing in the political equivalent of the tooth fairy. They need some tough love. They need a big old healthy dose of common sense and information. And when they get it, the smart ones will become conservative. Strap in for the wild ride with America's original conservative warrior princess. Due to an upturn in the economy, Main Street Business Loans has pre-approved the release of millions of dollars in small business funding. Your business may already be pre-approved to receive up to $250,000. We've sent out millions of pre-approval letters. We see the economy growing, and our underwriters believe now is the time to invest in your business so you can grow faster and make more money. And we're prepared to give you up to $250,000 to do it. Your funds can be available in five days. There are no application fees, no annual fees, just quick access to up to $250,000. If your business did not receive your approval letter to get up to $250,000, call Main Street Business Loans Approval Desk now. 800-430-4505, that's 800-430-4505. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold, or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out, and you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Call 1-800-380-4105, 1-800-380-4105, or visit airtimestore.com, airtimestore.com.
Again from Fox News, the State Department took a big step Friday toward making a final decision on the Keystone XL pipeline, setting a February 2nd deadline for federal agencies to give their views on the controversial project. Yeah, they don't care what you say. Anyway, Fox News has learned eight agencies have been asked to provide their views. The State Department has been waiting through a review process for months and in settling a deadline. Singled it was preparing to make a final decision. That is important because the White House had said previously that it was waiting for the agency to conclude its probe before President Obama decides whether to support the project. But the February 2nd date does not necessarily read anything will be announced at that time. State Department is involved in the Keystone decision because the pipeline stretches through both the U.S. and Canada. Again, no. That has nothing to do with the should have nothing to do with the State Department. Uh, no, actually, they have no say over this whatsoever. Only the governors and legislatures of those states have anything to say about whether or not that pipeline goes through their states. Last week, the House passed a bill authorizing construction on the pipeline, but the White House said Obamanus, citing the State Department's pending review would veto the legislation were it to pass the Republican-controlled Senate. It's not clear if Republicans and a handful of Democrats have the required 67 votes to override a potential abominous veto. Who cares? Do, pass, do the real work, pass the constitutional stuff, and let the president veto it. And try and explain how him, the great constitutional scholar he is, he is no anything, he didn't teach constitutional law, he never taught constitutional law, he, he taught community organizing. No, he wasn't even, he didn't even have a degree in constitutional law. Sorry. Uh, well, these are just facts that we know that were released over the years, and, and now you can't find them because they washed it clean. But we don't care about him vetoing it. Let him veto it. I know the Constitution. He can't lie to me. Do the right thing. Let the chips fall where they may. It's not your responsibility to make sure that everybody's going to pass the same legislation you do before you pass the legislation. Pass the legislation. Let, let things happen and let the people decide. Keep us informed and we will decide. And we will get rid of those elected cockroaches that are working against us. The House vote came on the same day in which the Nebraska Supreme Court ruled that three landowners who sued failed to show they had legal standing to bring their case, a victory for pipeline backers. Also on Friday, opponents of the pipeline in Nebraska filed two new lawsuits over the proposed route after the Senate, the state's Supreme Court recently tossed a previous legal challenge. And that's where it should have ended. Landowners in Holt and York counties filed the suits against pipeline developer TransCanada to stop the Canadian company from using eminent domain power to gain access to their land. Their attorney, Dave Domina, says the lawsuits closely resemble the claim the court dismissed, 
But he says this time all landowners have legal standing to bring the case. That's important because three judges last time said the landowners lack standing. Four of the court's seven judges declared the law unconstitutional, but five were required. The lawsuits seek to overturn a law that allowed former Governor Dave Heinemann to approve the route. Well, if it was passed into law, then you can't retroactively remove it. Just saying. But people's landowners should have a say in this. But it's got to go through someone's land, you see. No matter where it has to go through someone's land. So, don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I don't know what the courts are going to decide either. I'm sorry. Uh, They should side with the landowners. If there's an an, another route it could take that doesn't go through other landowners' property, why should they have to? Because they don't want to. They get to do it. You know, it doesn't work. Uh, It's got to be either that it's got to go through state land, it's got to go through federal land, or... It's got to go through private property. There's no two ways about it. I wouldn't care too much if I had like a ranch with thousands of acres if you put a pipeline through it. I don't care. I'll get paid. I'll make money. And uh, the cows have a nice warm place to cozy up to in the wintertime. Like they do in Alaska. The caribou. An up down. Can't make up her mind. From cnsnews.com, Christina Ariaga, executive director of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, is outraged that the government has become one of the major obstacles to the free practice of religion in the United States, and I already read this. Moving along, we did get through. Uh, we got the new police state. I have no idea why she calls it that. It's not what it's called. It's called the police state. That's it. There's no new, just the police state. There's nothing new about it. Uh, From the Washington Times. MDTA denies it targets out-of-state gun owners and noted that review of Mr. Philippides earlier traffic stop concluded the officers did nothing wrong. The MDTA police conducted a review of the traffic stop and have concluded that the stop and subsequent search of the vehicles were justified. Now, this is uh, the follow-up to the article that we started last show about Maryland's targeting out-of-state drivers. And we said that we were going to finish it because we didn't get to the whole thing. What does that have to do with anything? This is the conclusion of the story. No, I didn't complain about this story. I I complained about the third up-down that was That was, I copied twice, I know. I I forgot to tell you, I copied it twice, sorry. No, no, what do you mean forget to tell me? Delete it. I had already given it to you. Then I delete it. I do not understand what the problem is, ladies and gentlemen. I just don't. The MDTA police conducted a review of the traffic stop and have concluded that the stop and subsequent search of the vehicle were justified. Spokesman Jonathan Green wrote in an emailed statement, 
The investigation did not reveal any violations of law or agency policy. The officer who stopped both gun owners is assigned to the I-95 corridor where there is a large volume of out-of-state travelers, Mr. Green said. Baltimore-based criminal defense lawyer Paul Kramer says these type of stops and searches happen far too often in Maryland and are a waste of taxpayer money. They are unconstitutional, sir. Mr. Kramer represented a Pennsylvania security officer who was pulled over in the state for speeding. The Maryland officer asked Mr. Kramer's client whether he had a gun in the car. And once the man acknowledged he did, the officer arrested him for having the gun and the cartridge in the same locked container, not separated as per Maryland law. Unfortunately, you do have to you do have to look up all the laws of all the states before you go through them. Yes, we had to do that. But uh, this is what I'm going to... Well, I, my best advice with police is don't say anything. Nothing. If you make any questions that's not pertinent to the stop, don't don't answer it. You ever gone in a car? I don't have to tell you that. You don't. Uh, you don't, you have a right not to incriminate yourself. You don't have to tell the police the truth. You don't have to tell the FBI the truth. It seems if you lie to them, it's a felony. I find that interesting. <laughs> not really. Uh, more unconstitutional nonsense. But yeah, regular police, you can lie to them. They can lie to you. That's the game. Understand? It's a one. It's just a big game of manipulation. Them trying to manipulate you into giving them what they want. You trying to manipulate the whole conversation not to get you locked up. Uh, so the best thing to do is not mess with professionals. If you're not a professional liar like police officers, well, don't attempt it. Just don't say anything. I don't have to answer that question. That's all you have to say. If they push further, go, am I under arrest? If they don't say you're under arrest, can I have my ticket and leave, please? And never give them the right to search your vehicle. Never. I don't care if you're innocent. Never. Because, first of all, I happen to know some cops plant evidence. Not all police, but some do, and that's enough. Uh, if they're not searching your car, they can't plant any evidence, now, can they? Yeah. Never allow them to search anything without a warrant. Anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care what they tell you. Well, we can go wake up a judge. Well, then go wake up the judge. What do I care? He works for me. Wake him up. Go get your little piece of paper. I'll let you in. Anyway, uh, Mr. Kramer, they're not your friends. Trust me on this. Police officers are not your friends. When you interact with police, they are not your friends. Mr. Kramer represented a Pennsylvania security officer who was pulled over in the state for speeding. The Maryland officer asked Mr. Kramer's client whether he had a gun in the car, and once a man acknowledged he did, the officer arrested him for having the gun. And the cartridge in the same lock container. Uh, the best thing, the best thing to do with that is, as you're looking through all the laws, take the most restrictive one, and that's how you store your firearms and your ammunition, or don't have ammunition in in the vehicle. Either way, uh, but again, this is why people want uh, national concealed carry permits. I hate to break it to you, uh, it's nothing in the Constitution about concealed carry. But you're allowed to keep bare arms, and the government's not allowed to prevent that. Then how come? How can any government tell you while you're going through their state 
that they're allowed to arrest you for having a gun. You're not allowed to travel through their state while having a gun. That's a violation of the Commerce Clause. Ah, it's a violation of a lot of stuff, but neither here nor there. Uh, You can't, you know, they're doing this. This is the thing now. They ask these questions because they know most people say, tell the truth. Uh, Most gun gun owners are are law-abiding citizens. So they're going to tell the truth for the most part. Uh, and they know that, and they and they're using it against you. So just don't, if you, someone pulls you over for, say you were, excuse me, officer, why you pulled me over? License and registration. Just be getting your license and registration together while you talk to him. Uh, I'm getting that, but why did you pull me over? If he doesn't tell you, and he's walking and looking around you, inspecting your car and stuff, he didn't know why he pulled you over. He just pulled you over, and he's not allowed to pull you over. Make a note if you got a cell phone. Record it. Well, remember when I called, when that officer pulled me over, yep. and I was on the middle of the highway, and I was like, there's no way in heck, in the dark, am I pulling over in the middle of the highway? And well, I at, that point, for, at that point in time, around the country, there was actually somebody dressed as police officers with with police look, unmarked cars with lights and everything, pulling women over and raping, in dark, secluded places and raping them. Yeah, uh, you don't know what's behind you as a real cop or not. Never pull over in a place you would not be comfortable being alone in. And that's what I did. I got you on the phone, remember, and you stayed on the phone with me. I told dispatch what was going on. Yes, you did. I said, she's not going to pull over until she reaches town. Tell your officer. He followed her all the way to that point, now decides to pull her over? Oh, no. We followed the complaint. That That was absolutely because he was boyfriend or married to someone in her job that they were they were having problems with each other so as a matter of fact she was in the car i told him that too that he got in trouble for that yep yeah, the the witch was in the passenger seat they they it, it's a long story but the most important part was the cop we saw the cop car i saw the, the deputy i waved to him i was at the gas station filling up it's all lit up He's parked behind me. You can see my license plate. It was out of state. I hadn't changed it yet. Sorry, I had two years on it, and it wanted me to... Oh, no, this to... is a different incident, hon. The one I'm talking about, you first started, was with me being alone in the Land Rover, and they pulled me up. They were going to try to pull me over in the dark, right. and they called you up, and you said, oh, no, 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 you just keep going, and then you called the dispatcher, and then you called me back, and then, because you told them to tell them that you I wasn't going to stop until I hit a light. Right. And but he was at the gas station with you too. Yes, he did the exact the exact same thing. He didn't give me squat. I told him. I said, hey, "Man, I'm trying to find. We're trying to find a place to live right now. I, I don't have time to go get re-register a vehicle that's already registered. I've already paid for the registration. Why do you want? Why would you have a law thirty days and you have to change your registration? Money. That's all. I'm just trying to squeeze money out of people." I can't stand government. I can't, can't wait till we get rid of almost all of it. Just have what we need, and they don't mess around in our lives. Well, that's because of, was it the sheriff that was harassing us, or Boulder police? I think it was the sheriff. Well, it it was the sheriff's department. Uh, yeah, we, it was definitely the sheriff's department. But that was part and parcel of we were staying at the person we were staying at the shooting range, the president of the club. For some reason, decided he wanted them to run a background check on me. 
So he comes up to me at the gas station, asks for my license. I'm like, I'm not driving. He's like, yes, well, would you rather me pull you over when you leave? I'm like, no, but why do you want my license? I, I need to run a check. I'm like, you know what? I got nothing to hide here. Go ahead, have fun. Uh, ran a background check. Everything came back okay. Hands my thing back, goes away. A couple, a couple weeks later, he shows up at the range asking me again for my license. Brings a giant man with him, a giant deputy, real big guy, uh, about as big as me, I guess. And uh, he he was he was there to intimidate me, but he didn't intimidate me. He just pissed me off. Uh, I told him what he did was illegal, and I gave it to him. I said, "Go ahead, uh, make it official." He didn't get reelected, ladies and gentlemen. No, he did not. And the other sheriff joined our... Um... And the next sheriff used to be ex-FBI. And he failed to follow the concealed carry law while issuing my concealed carry permit within the 30 days required. And hence, I went to war with him. And I found out there is no justice left anymore because nobody would enforce the law on that sheriff. Nobody. Not from the county attorney's office all the to way the up state. to the AG's yep, office. Yep, Nobody. Yep. That's the one when you started to formulate the... uh, I got the elected Congress. Everybody called him. Everybody. And they all said, well, he's being reasonable. He just wants to finish his investigation. Well, That's not what the law says. But it says in the law, too bad. You don't get to do that. You issue it. And if if later it comes back with something that would have prevented the permit, you pull the permit. Yep. That's how it is here. That's how the law was written. It's a shall issue, not kind of kind of issue. Or like doofus deputy said, uh, undersheriff. He's like, oh, that, that means should. I said, no, it doesn't. Look it up. It means must, not should. And it's a hard break. It's the Uncooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, because we'll be right back. Earth Angel Mine, a radon health mine nestled between the pristine mountains of Basin, Montana, was established in 1953. The Earth Angel Health Mine has been the bastion of health for people with chronic diseases, including arthritis, diabetes, gout, fibromyalgia, and much more. Earth Angel Health Mine's accommodations include cabins, generous RV parking with hookups, and tent camping. It is open year-round, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Tours of the mine are available during the day only. Earth Angel Health Mine also offers a community spirit which includes a weekly tailgate party where guests and locals enjoy each other's company and share their health stories. They also offer tours of surrounding attractions in the Gold West region of Montana. The Earth Angel Mine can be found on the web at www.earthangelmine.com or call 406-225-3516. Reservations are highly recommended. Again, you can contact Earth Angel Health Mine on the web at www.earthangelmine.com or call 406-225-3516. Earth Angel Health Mine. Come for the health, but stay for the hospitality. Because after all, it's all in the mine. Okay, we got a little humor for you here called You Might Be a Liberal Too by Popular Demand. If you think Rosie O'Donnell is intelligent, you might be a liberal. If you think Hillary Rotten Clinton is hot, you 
you might be a liberal. If you hug trees more often than your spouse, you might be a liberal. If you think Al Gore knows anything about science, you might be a liberal. If you think the rich are not taxed enough, you might be a liberal. If you think Bill Clinton did not have sexual relations with that woman, you might be a liberal. If comedian Al Franken's voice turned you on, oh, you might be a liberal. If you think Michael Moore knows anything about being healthy, uh, you might be a liberal. If you like watching The View, you might be a liberal. If you have fainted at an Obama rally, you might be a liberal. If you get all your news from John Stewart, you might be a liberal. If you think the federal government is operating within its constitutional limits, uh, you might be a liberal. If your favorite family movie is an inconvenient truth, you might be a liberal. If you think John McCain is a true conservative, you might be a liberal. And finally, if you think Maxine Waters, Democrat of California, is not a left-wing, liberal, progressive, socialist, commie, fascist bastard, uh, you might be a liberal. successful at what you do, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a business owner, or you have a great career, you understand the concept of protecting yourself. Well, are you protecting yourself, your family, and your assets with quality term life insurance? Consider these possible rates. A man age 45, non-tobacco user, could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user, may be able to obtain $500,000 of coverage for as little as $115 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 20 years. We have great rates for smokers, too. Call the Term Lifeline now. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. If you've been successful, you don't you didn't get there on your own. You, you didn't get there on your own. I, I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was just so smart. There are a lot of smart people out there. It must be because I worked harder than everybody else. Let me tell you something. There are a whole bunch of hard-working people out there. If you were successful, somebody along the line gave you some help. There was a great teacher somewhere in your life. Somebody helped to create this unbelievable American system that we had that allowed you to thrive. Somebody invested in roads and bridges. If you got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. The internet didn't get invented on its own. Government research created the internet, so then all the companies could make money off the internet.
Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. Uh-huh. As we rag on cops. <laughs> if, you, if you can't tell, everything's, as usual, everything's going wrong. But the show must go on. Anyway, we're, we're in Maryland with fascists right now. Where are we? The officers, oh, this is what it is. Uh, the MDTA police conducted a review yeah, of the traffic stop. Yeah, that you did already. Okay, did not reveal any violations of law yes. or agency policy. The officer who stopped both gun owners is assigned to the I-95 corridor where there is a large volume of out-of-state travelers, Said Mr. Green said, yes. And they should be allowed to travel through your state unimpeded with their firearms. Because you don't even have the right to take your own citizens' firearms away, yet alone mine. But they're doing it. Because there's anarchy in the judiciary. There's militarization of the police. None of these things are good. Baltimore-based criminal defense attorney Paul Kramer says these types of stops and searches happen far too often in Maryland and are a waste of taxpayer money. Oh, yeah, I did this. You think that Maryland would honor legitimate people with guns rather than charging people who are legitimately carrying but doing it incorrectly, said Mr. Kramer, who was former deputy U.S. attorney for Maryland. I would think that the police would want to take the time to go after those people who do not have a legitimate right to have a gun rather than locking up people who have a valid license because they hate guns in this state. But now They hate guns, they don't want anybody to have guns, and they will use whatever power they have to go after guns and gun owners. But when we started this article... No change. Jersey did it decades ago. When we started this article last show, we had wanted to know how in God's name do they know that these people have guns. Well, he's just saying they that they're licensed. Them. He said he's licensed. His, Everybody that has a concealed carry permit is licensed. Right, but how does another state get that information? We don't know that the other police does. I just want to know why how he knew he had a gun. He didn't. He asked him. Wow. Because, <laughs> for one thing, even if you do know, because some state requires your information to be public, and you better change that, or even available to um, mil- <laughs> police agencies, it just says you have a right to carry concealed. It doesn't say you are carrying concealed. And I know you want reciprocity everywhere. That's a state issue. Uh, because the federal government's not supposed to in any way, shape, or form touch our right to keep and bear arms. That means they can't even regulate it in any way, shape, or form. Nah. And if you have a similar thing in your state constitutions, and almost all of them do, uh, they have no right to be doing what they do. There are no uh, reasonable restrictions on your inalienable rights. They're inalienable. They're not reasonable. They're not granted by police. They're not granted by legislature. They're granted by your creator. But he, see, this is how how much these positions have been turned political. When he was in charge, he would never have done this. But whoever political hacks in charge now is doing it. And the left has been trying to get people in key places, especially Secretary of State, because they certify elections. And if they control that with a political operative, then they can steal elections. See? Oh, what is this about? This is about just 
blind hatred of anyone who would own a gun and also money. They're not going to imprison him. They're going to find him and let him go. They may keep his gun. Oh, no, oh, uh, they will keep his gun. Pretty sure. And unless he has a really good lawyer, they're going to keep that gun, scofflaws. They don't have to convict you. Even if you're found innocent, there's nothing that requires them to give it back. And they don't. This, again, out of control, local government. You got to get your local government under control first. And remember, charity begins at home. Don't be giving money away to people that you don't have, like our government does. That's bad behavior. We don't want to. We don't want to do that. You know, I actually like that uh, Shakespeare one. Be, be not a bank. Be not a borrower or a lender. Be. That was the advice of the father. Be not a borrower or a lender. Be. In this day and age, everybody's scratching their head going, how can we do that? Everything's on my credit card. Ah, the problem. You borrowed. The, oh, how do they suffer? Oh, when people can't pay their credit card bills. And they just don't pay them and they have to suck it up. Maryland is one of the toughest gun control states in the nation. Oh, my God, it passed California? And New York? Oh, my goodness. And New York. Wow. Well, right by D.C., you know, the, the corruption, the cancer, the cancer. Um, <clears throat> and passed the Maryland Firearm Safety Act of 2013, which among its provisions bans 45 assault weapons and limits gun magazines to 10 rounds. Maryland also has strict laws governing the transportation of guns and issues concealed carry only on a need-based determination. Yes, we talked about the woman who tried to do this, who did do it, and all the things she had to go through. What did it take her, like, almost as long, almost as much as the gestation of a baby? It was like nine months to go through a bunch of nonsense just to actually get the gun in her hands legally. Move! I have no... I don't want to hear anybody whining and complaining about your laws where you live. It's your, you're responsible for the laws where you live like and your neighbors. And if you don't like it, move someplace you do. Yep. Oh, I didn't say it'd be easy. I didn't say you wouldn't lose money. I didn't say, uh, you know, it'd be a skip in the park or anything. But if you want a future where you will possibly be happy, it won't be in Maryland. Because it's only going to get worse from here. I know, there's a secession movement. There's a bunch of secession movements. It's, it, it's not going to happen. You would need the approval of the state legislature, and they're not going to give it to them. So my advice is, all of you decide to where you could move and make the most difference politically and move there. Because that's what the left's doing. So conservatives... Take over someplace, will you? Maryland also has strict laws governing all this nonsense, but gun rights advocates are trying to pressure Governor-elect Larry Hogan, a Republican, is he now? To get involved in a legal effort by a coalition of gun owners and gun rights groups to invalidate the law. 21 states have filed briefs with the court supporting the challenge. In news conference in November after winning the election, however, Mr. Hogan said he would leave it to the courts to decide. Okay, again, 
This cowardice. Is not, yep. And, and this, this is, guy is not a real Republican. He's, he's not a the, conservative. He's the he's the right he's a right wing progressive, just like the elites in the Republican Party. He is uh, he ran in Maryland as a Republican. He could possibly be conservative because they never would have voted for him. Uh, so don't be surprised. Again, just because an R is after the name doesn't mean we necessarily win. But we got an R in, no matter what it was, and it's not my state, so it doesn't really affect me. But if this is a lesson for everybody. It's a lesson for everybody that the left always requires everybody to do ridiculous things to actually have their own rights. They don't believe in God. They don't believe the Creator granted you your rights. That is nonsense. The government must... Well, the social contract. What's wrong with you? Don't you remember signing the social contract? Yeah, I, I didn't sign it either. Uh, there's no, the only social contract... Just, only the left can abuse such a, just an easily understood concept of the social contract. Basically, the social contract is we, we try... We try to all live without a, in a happy environment where we're not getting in each other's ways so we could all be prosperous. And that's the kind of government we want. And no more. But once we get there, there's always a whole bunch of people that always want the government to do a whole bunch more. And next thing you know, you're waking up into the same bureaucratic nightmare you got rid of before. So never forget is got to be the first rule, conservatives. When we take our state back... Our kids have to be taught, never forget this lesson. Never forget this lesson. Never go down this legislative road again. That's that's what we need to do after we take the states back. And uh, you, you, uh, Article 5 people out there, cut it out. It's way too late for an Article 5 state convention. It, there's no state that is ready to send anybody to convention that could possibly do anything worthwhile and it doesn't need to be fixed. Leave well, it alone. And this I'd is... rather you not touch it than mess around the way people are talking. And the fair tax, get out of my sights. The fair tax is a progressive tax that's going to tax every dollar everybody spends in this country. It's going to hit retirees and people on a fixed income like me, like two bricks in the side of your head, uh, because we can't, we can't afford for things to keep going up. We're on a fixed income. You're never going to get through this. <laughs> so I think you're done. <laughs> it's up to the people of Maryland to decide how much they're going to push him. Uh, or maybe they don't want to. I, I know there's some counties out there that want to get... Look, just move. Trust me on this. Just let them have Maryland and move. Because it won't matter. Let people in Maryland live under tyranny for the rest of their lives. We don't care. We're going to go to a state or create a state, uh, you know, Go to a county, whatever. And we're going to try and live in a place where we are free, as free as possible, right? And then we'll work on that to get that place to the point where it can reassert its constitutional sovereignty. And now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas. Now stuff's going to start happening, boy. I don't expect the federal government not to get the inkling of this as it starts happening and start making muscle flex and sword-rattling nonsense. Uh, don't pay any attention to them. They are, of course, murderers up there. We know that. But we will not stand alone. And that's where our strength... They cannot stand against us. We're 330 million people over that now. They cannot stand against us. Not if we we join together. They cannot prevail. And also, listeners out there, because you are going to move on. Move down. <laughs> You've done this to death. 
but I just wanted to get it out there so that if you are traveling around, be aware that this might happen. Anytime you travel with a gun, you better know the gun laws and transportation laws of every state you're going through. And like I said, my advice as somebody who's traveled four years crisscrossing the country, whatever the strictest one is, do that. Then you don't have to worry. And it's usually like gun in the trunk and the ammo in a locked glove compartment, opposite sides of the vehicle. See, it can't be stored together. Can't be stored loaded. Should be in a locked box. I, I I know I, there are. I'm telling you, I bet Maryland has all those because that, those were that was some of the restrictive laws when I looked into them when I was traveling. Uh, that's how it was, and that's how that's how I did it. My shotguns were in the back lockbox, and my ammo was in the front lockbox, separate and locked. I won't tell you about anything else, but those shotguns were stored correctly. On his way up north to visit family for the ho- oh he shoot he wants me to leave. Uh, bye Maryland, it's been nice knowing you. All right, from KMOV.com, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Anne police apologized to a college student after they admitted to causing severe injuries to his face after accusing him of a crime he didn't commit on Thursday. Police were in pursuit of Anton Simmons, who had 17 warrants for his name. When 22-year-old Joseph Swink crashed his car trying to avoid the police pursuit, on Interstate 70. They ended up grabbing him, Swink tossing him to the ground, and were trying to handcuff him. And St. Anne Police Chief Aaron Jimenez, all the sirens and lights were going off. It was very loud, and they couldn't hear anything the citizen was saying. 17 warrants? I'm sorry. How could he have 17 warrants? Okay. So when they went after Schwink instead of Simmons, and they, I guess he resisted arrest enough, and they they faced him, as they call it. They ended up grabbing him, tossing him around, and were trying to handcuff him. And Schwink is an accounting student at UMSL with no criminal record, and was on his way home from an internship when he was accidentally involved in the pursuit. People say they were able to get him into custody using the least amount of force necessary, but when they finally had him in handcuffs on the ground, they heard on their radios that the real suspect was in custody in a different location. Swing suffered severe damage to his ear, and his vehicle was totaled. I never really had 100% trust in police before, Swing said, but I really don't now. Chief Jimenez says he was given a sincere apology for the entire situation. Police say they are, oh, really, a severe apology. How much money did you give him? Did you pay his medical bills, Chief? Police say they are now making changes to the radio system to make sure all officers are getting the same updated information. Simmons, who was wanted on 17 warrants, was charged with assault, armed criminal action, and property damage. He was booked into jail on a $100,000 bond. Did you see that? That's called stagging. 17 warrants. Assault, armed criminal action, and property damage. Was was the property damage and the criminal action, armed criminal action part of the original assault? 
Yes. Then they fall into the same charge. You cannot add extra charges. It, 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 it's assault. Is it armed assault? I don't know. What depends on the laws of your state. Uh, assault battery. Uh, what the heck is an armed criminal action? That shouldn't even exist. And property damage. Oh, what? Did he break something in the course of this crime? So really, does he have 17 warrants based on one crime? That happens. All the time. Again, it's called stacking. And they do it to get innocent people. Well, they think they're guilty. But innocent people often to take a plea deal so that they don't have to go get the needle or spend life in prison. Nothing. You pick your charge. If it's armed robbery, it's armed robbery. And anything that happens in conjunction with that armed robbery, it's still armed robbery. As long as you don't kill somebody. Obviously, then it's murder. You don't, it's not armed robbery, assault, murder, uh, property damage. You, you get my drift? That's not the kind of judicial system we want. We want a justice system where guilty people go free on a regular basis. Just so no innocent person could ever have his liberty taken away from him. Yet alone his life. And until we can guarantee that, I'm not on board giving the state the right to murder fellow citizens. Well, I'm sorry. Innocent people have been killed. Innocent people were released from yeah, death row. I'm sorry. Now, there's no way you convince me that you're going to kill somebody because all the process and all the appeals and all of that and still, you had an innocent man on death row. Can't trust this government and our state governments the way they are now with anything, yet alone someone's life. We can revisit this when we get back under the Constitution and live with it for a while. You want your state to start frying people? That's your problem in your state. That's the way it'll be. Some states will don't care. It's not that they don't care that there is, but there's got to be there's got to be the ultimate punishment. Well, as soon as you fix the justice, like I said, we can fix it, and they can go back to the way it used to be, where it was very hard to convict people, but innocent people didn't go to jail, prison, I should say. They go to jail, still go to prison. I know somebody would nitpick over that somewhere. You know, the more people listen to our radio shows the more the more nonsense we have to put up with uh poor matt he goes to he goes to the republican meetings he also i think he writes a column in the newspaper or or he does the letters to the editor i don't know uh but they all know who he is and he's a conservative you know and he's in pennsylvania and he's dealing with these rhino republicans you know the progs and they listen to our radio show, so he says something ridiculous on the radio show, and then this this elected cockroach brings it up at the committee meeting. It's something something they should do. They should adopt. He he was being totally sarcastic on the radio show, uh, but it didn't stop it from happening. It's weird how sometimes the internet can reach out and touch you in real life. It's also kind of scary sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so now we. Every time he says something, it, has to, it comes with a qualifier. So in case somebody 
listening decides it's a good idea to pass a law to do it. Uh, like, like, I can't believe that judge still exists. Judge Posner wrote a book, Rapists and Have Rape Permits. Unbelievable. I, 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 to this day, just, he, and he'll never, he never lets me forget it. Every week he brings it up. Well, then you're talking about the show Founding Truth. Founding Truth show. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Halls of Valhalla on Saturday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, while I'm doing this, you might as well go check out the Patriots Pub, PatriotsPub.us. If you like listening to this show, you must like truth and you must like history. So if I have perfect place for you to go and I don't care how much you think you know about U.S. history and the Constitution you will get an education on this site called the PatriotsPub.us PatriotsPub.us Please listen from episode one it's about putting everything in context and it's all history and it's all facts there's no politics allowed just facts we give you the facts and you figure it out for yourself Three and a half years it took. There's a lot to do. So free. Go over there. It's free. Listen, download, share, enjoy. PatriotsPub.us. And also don't forget about my wife's books. Amazon.com. We have ebooks up there. Her novel, Opening a Registered Exercise, A Life-Altering Journey Across North America. Uh, 300 and some pages. No pictures. All great stuff about our travels across the country, the ins and outs of the hospitals uh, that Susan worked with as travel nurse. It, it, it's just it's full. It's just full of travel information. Places we went. It, it's actually very easy to read. I, I I just ate through it real quick, and it was enjoyable, informative, and well put together. So it's only seven ninety nine. Come on, a novel for seven. Don't you want to know more about? Susan and I, more history. The dirt? Yeah. You want to, <laughs> don't you want to get some dirt on us? So you should buy the book, seven ninety nine. If you don't have an ebook reader, it doesn't matter. They have a free ebook reader program for your computer, PC, or Mac that you can download and do it on your, read it on your computer. All right. Uh, she also has children's books. The ones up right now are The Christmas Pigs, The Great Green and Old, and The Adventures of Izzy and Coco. These are all... Uh, Judeo-Christian morality children's books uh, where the pictures are done by her nephew who's an autistic artist and and they're really really good, they're all hand done and the stories, uh, the kids just love it, adults love it (laughs) believe it or not you you have no idea how many rejection letters she got from across the country that also said I loved it (laughs) I loved it, It it was the best children's story I've ever written, but we're just not doing that right now. But, you know, that's the point. They're only $4.99. for how I would have put it. But they're $4.99, and uh, again, that's cheap, right? And you'll help the show at the same time. We make a little profit off the books. Um, And if you can get something you like and we can make money off it at the same time, that's win-win. That's what we like to go for. That's what we try to do with our commercials. Win-win. Try and pick stuff we think you would want that is actually worth something. And if you do, you're happy we gave you the information. And I'm happy you called the phone number and I got paid. See? Oh, and the ad agency got paid too. 
You're helping all kinds of families put food on the table that way. Capitalism at its greatest. Free market. I'm not, I'm not talking about capitalism anymore. I, I refuse to be boxed in anymore by a term that was made popular by Karl Marx. Okay? Das Kapital. Uh, he, he doesn't get the name free market as capitalism and then tear it apart. Screw him. He's an idiot. He, he's either an idiot or he hates people. Because his book would not would not benefit mankind in any way. His form of government has proven to always lead to tyranny. So forget it. So I'm not using capitalism. He made it popular, and I'm not using it. Adam Smith did not call it capitalism. Sim, but where am I? I'm past this thing now. We're moving along. Uh, I don't. Do you want me to read the rest of this? Is that the... Uh... Sincere apologies and all that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the sincere apology for the entire situation. That's where I left it. Police say they are now making charges for their radio system changes to make sure all officers are getting the same updated information. Simmons, who was wanted on 17 warrants, was charged with assault, armed criminal action, and property damage. We covered that. He was booked into jail on a $100,000 bond. Wow, $100,000. The student was significantly injured when St. Anne police took him into custody. One major problem, he committed no crime and was not the man police were looking for. In fact, he was not trying he was trying to help police. The police department say they are completely in the wrong. Good. Get that in writing. You should see this kid's face. The one whole side of his face is like completely What, what did I oh tell you? God. Faced him. That's what they call it. They take you if you're light enough, they'll pick you right up off of your feet and slam you right down on your face. That's what they do. They 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 think they're that's a good thing. They enjoy it. There's a lot of people that go into law enforcement because they they like bullying people. Uh, really, they have the same requirements as criminals. A whole psychological study was done. They they have they have the same skill sets. The criminals and the cops have the same. That's why cops are good at catching criminals because they think like criminals. And they're good at lying. Hey, that's a, that's just a, that's something this, you need to be a police officer. I'm sorry. This is a very scary time to live in, Brian. Yes, it is. And the police are getting more and more aggressive and less and less feel like they work for us. In fact, go tell a cop he works for you and wait for the response. Really, next time you see one, do it. Right after he gets the re- you get the response, though, walk away. Oh, I'm not going to be responsible for you getting faced. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they, they will do the very least. They will plant you. All right. So uh, the newly elected Republicans are caving on net neutrality. Really? This is the newly elected Republicans are caving on net neutrality. They are. Wait till you read it. And it was Benjamin Franklin's birthday yesterday. From ArsTechnica.com, House and Senate Republicans have scheduled hearings next Wednesday to propose legislation that would enforce net neutrality rules while forbidding the Federal Communication Commission from regulating broadband providers as common carriers. Why are you doing this? We don't need the government 
involved on the internet. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler plans to unveil... Yeah, I know all about throttling. I'm a victim of it, and I still don't want net neutrality. This is just an excuse for the government to get involved with us accepting the fact that they will regulate the Internet and our content. This is what it... This is the, this is the reason they're doing it. We cannot accept it for any reason. We will police ourselves. Grow up, ladies and gentlemen. Police... We will police ourselves. But this is what we're saying. People are afraid of liberty. They're afraid of being free. Oh, I know. And I see the word fair. I love it when a so-called conservative uses that. Fair. Fair what? You don't own the bandwidth. You don't own the server farm. You don't own the fiber optics. You don't own any of it. We're just users. Some of us are users and providers and business people on the Internet. But regardless, we don't want the federal government involved. If some Look, if someone's doing something that they shouldn't be doing, we should let everybody on the Internet know and let them decide whether or not they want to keep doing business with said person and they can move on to somebody else who's not trying to rip them off. We don't need the federal government involved because the federal government is going to always rip us off. And there's nothing we can do about that. If you let them in, it's like creating the IRS all over again. I know you don't see it that way, but think, please. Nobody thought that way a hundred years ago, and look where we are now. All right, so FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler plans to unveil his net neutrality plan on February the 5th and put it to a commission vote on February 26th. He is expected to propose reclassifying broadband as a common carrier service to be regulated under Title II of the Communications Act, which is also used to regulate the landline, which is also used to uh, add all those uh, fees onto the landline, which will now go onto your cell phone. Which you know, is, that $15 worth of money you spend every month for nothing but fees and tariffs and taxes. You know, I'll never forget the first time you had discussed this with our daughter. And she actually went, you told her, look at the bill. Look at the bill. And she had called me up. She's like, my God, dad is so right. Uh, there's a fee. And she was just going on and on. There's a fee for this. There's a fee for that. I was like, of course he's right. He's your father. But she was appalled. Most <laughs> most people do not read their bills. No, they don't. It's a you know, it's really something you need to do, ladies and gentlemen. Just like you really need to know how much you're paying in taxes, what percentage you have to pay from your income in taxes. So when it come to, come time to talk taxes, you'll know you don't want any more taxes. In fact, you you'll want less. There's too many taxes. That's why the fair tax is a non-starter, because it's the unfair tax. It's progressive, number one. That's a non-starter. It's a consumption tax, number two. Another non-starter. Uh, and thirdly, it provides a, a revenue source for the national government from in the future. No. No new taxes. You have to repeal the 16th Amendment to actually get the fair tax initiated anyway, and that would require another constitutional amendment right now the only constitutional tax system that is allowed 
is the flat tax. The progressive tax is unconstitutional because it violates equal protection under the law. Which he will repeat over and over and over again until right. people get it. Because believe it or not, I didn't get it until recently. It didn't dawn on me. I was watching so many other things. It just didn't click. Till one day I was thinking about it and I was like, wait a minute. We don't want that. Uh, so just, uh, th- it, it, to, to understand the fact that the 16th Amendment never uh, got rid of or suspended equal protection under the law, it, it just didn't click, and then suddenly it did, and now it's like the light bulb goes on. They This progressive, and they did, they did it since the beginning of the amendment. Tommy the Commie, there was a progressive tax from the beginning. However, it doesn't allow for a progressive tax. The only thing legal is a flat tax. We don't have to amend the Constitution for this at all. We just have to enforce it. That's it. If you can't get your elected cockroaches up there to enforce that, if you can't get that out of them, you better work extra hard locally because time's running out. Wheeler intends to forbear the more restrictive parts of Title II, choosing not to impose rate regulations on Internet providers. Oh, but see, it's choosing. Don't give the government choices. The government does what we tell them to do. And when did we tell them to regulate the Internet? Oh, here's another one. When did we give them the power to regulate the airwaves? TV, radio, where? Where in the Constitution? Well, Brian, there was no radio and TV back then. That's right. So obviously there's nothing in the Constitution that gives them power to do any of that. The way this the way this system's supposed to work is if we want them to do that, we must amend the Constitution to grant them the power to do that. They don't get just, just to do it because, I don't know, most people want them to do it. That's not the way a constitutional republic works. That is the rule of man, not the rule of law. We do not want the rule of man. Anyway, Senator John Thune, sort of Rhino, South Dakota, chairman of the Senate Committee on Commerce, said that his legislation will enforce these 11 bipartisan rules in the Internet age. Wow. John Thune, total commie. Who'd have thought? South Dakota, did you know you put a commie up there? What is it with people out here in Montana and South Dakota putting commies up there? I call them that, man. They get fighting mad. It's just, I don't care. Vote for a commie. You voted for a commie. Isn't there a commie? Really? 98% voting with President Obama. Ah, that's a commie. John Thune of South Dakota said that his legislation will enforce these 11 bipartisan rules. Prohibit blocking by whom? Am I going to allow? Am I allowed to block? Prohibit throttling. If I wanted the government involved, that would be a good thing because they are using throttling to get people like me off the legacy unlimited plans by saying now it's all. Oh, it's not quite unlimited because after three G, you still get the internet, but it's like a dial-up after three gigabytes. Well, that's that's crap. But the people need to. Have an outrage so that another company will go, really? Come join us. We guarantee no throttling. You see, that's the market. Not John Thune coming in and telling people what they can and cannot do with their own private business. 
Prohibit paid prioritization. Why? How how does this guy even get an R after his name? Paid prioritization. That's that's a free market. I I need I need priority because of my business. I'm willing to pay you extra for it. That's how it's supposed to work. Not the government came like, oh, we can't do that. Sorry, the government doesn't allow it. Required transparency. Uh, we're still waiting, Baracus Obaminus, for your transparency. You are going to be the most trans. You and Nancy Pelosi are the biggest liars on the planet. Anybody notice that the people on the left just are real comfortable lying all the time? They don't care. Ends justify the means. You don't matter. And you know what? Nancy Pelosi should be ashamed of herself. She's a grandmother. She's destroying their future. Destroying their future. That's why she's now the Wicked Witch of the West. Because she's not sweeper anymore. But, yeah, we didn't get any transparency from her. Rather black, obelisk kind of thing. Not transparent at all. Uh, same with Caesar up there, Barack Obama. He's, he lies to you all the time. I call it Obama speak. When he says he's not going to do something, wait for it. He's going to do it. Every time. Oh, they were surprised. I can't just go by executive fiat and change and fix it. This has to be done by Congress and the rule of law. Right until he did it. Right? Right. See? Opposite talk. That's Obama. I'm not going to take your guns away. Yes, I am going to take your guns away. Every time he says something like, I'm not going to, I won't, I can't. just reverse it. I can't. He will. That's what it means. Because, you know, when he says he can't do something, then he turns around and he says, oh, it's within my, my rights to, to do the work of the people. Obviously, I can. Again, rule of law, not rule of man. Apply rules to both wireline and wireless. Who has a wireline? Just really, who, who would who was bothering? That figures. Allow for reasonable network management. That okay for this. This legislation is a no flag zone already. You're not allowed to use ambiguous terms in the rule and making law. If you put that in there, the courts will rip it apart. What is reasonable? See, now judge starts deciding what's reasonable. Reasonable for whom? Reasonable for me or reasonable for you? Because I can tell you I, nothing's reasonable for me. So, just saying. Hmm. Reasonable. Reasonable. Re- can't use that word. It means nothing. That's what the, the, that's what they supposed to do with ease, easements, but there's nothing reasonable about what they do. Allow for specialized services. Protect consumer choice. How do you protect consumer choice other than getting the hell out of the industry? Really, if they just walked away from the whole industry, we'd be better off. See, they can't protect anything. They can only screw people over. That's all they can do. Classify broadband internet access as an information service under the Communications Act. The Communications Act is unconstitutional. So by all means, please put it in there, because that's not going to last, because we're going to get rid of it. Clarify that Section 706 of the Telecommunications Act may not be used as a grant of regulatory authority. Direct the FCC to enforce 
and abide by these principles. Now, I don't even like your principles, but the FCC is unconstitutional. So, bye-bye. Again, just say no. But look, you were just reading about the Maryland governor. He wouldn't even stand up for Maryland's gun owners. Gun, the Second Amendment. He wouldn't even stand up for it. So how are we going to get anything done, Brian, unless we get rid of all these people? He was just elected. That's what my plan requires. I know my plan sucks. Nobody wants to do it. It's a lot of damn work. But it's the only thing that's going to work. Mark Levin is profoundly wrong. Not only will his liberty amendments not fix anything, they break the Constitution. So stop throwing his topics at me like term limits and the, the when you read the whole proposed amendment, that's where the devil's in the details. And every time I looked in the details under these lovely topic marker, it was always breaking the Constitution. I, I mean, I'm not going to buy the book to go over it with you page by page. I went over it when he was reading it to me, and I went over it. Every part that he read to me, I told you why it was a he read it over the, the he read it over the radio. He didn't sit in front of you and read it. No, on the radio, <laughs> no one thinks no one thinks I live anywhere near Mark Levin. I I'm, hope. Just, I'm just saying. Sometimes you need to clarify, and you don't. It's hard. Nobody asks questions. Well, that's why I'm here. Okay, I'm a pain in your butt. <laughs> yes, all, his liberty methods. Uh, my co-host and. Uh, Good friend Tim Curlin, Tim Loki Curlin, while he was alive, he did buy the book and he did rip it apart line by line, and he agreed with me. Nah, they're no good. It's a no go. They break the Constitution. They they codify illegal behavior of the government now into the Constitution by creating amendment that controls the bad behavior. Well, that it's not allowed at all, you see? It's not allowed at all now, so why would we make it allowed? I do want to give a quick kudos, since we always talk about other talk show hosts, out to Michael Savage for calling for impeachment. So has Mark Levin. No, I, he hasn't. Yes, oh, yes, he has. He hasn't in a while, but oh, yes, he has. he has, because he uh, must have changed, because he had callers calling in, and they were. he was like, that's just not going to happen. Well, yeah, he's trying to play the, uh, well, uh, yes, that's what should happen, but they're not going to do it. No, but kudos to seriously. I don't Michael. care if they're going to do it or not. They're supposed to do it. And he, he agrees with you um, saying that even if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. We need to bring this out to the American people. They need to know what his crimes were. I agree more with Levin than Savage. But Savage is an interesting guy. Politics-wise, I'm not overly impressed with him. But he has a lot of interesting... He lived an interesting life, so he's a lot of really interesting... I like listening to his stories. Uh, mostly he doesn't, he doesn't really pound politics the way other hosts. It's a different show. You'd have to listen to it. But he does want impeachment. He wants Boehner out of there. I mean, he's coming on board. He's an intellectual. He's a good guy. He doesn't understand the founding of the country or the constitution the way Mark Levin does, uh, who doesn't understand it as well as, um, Loki and I do, uh, currently and others on the internet. There are others on the internet that understand the Constitution. But I seem to be the most vocal one. Now that my poor friend Tim passed on, I'm like the I'm like the voice of the wilderness out here. Uh, I know, too radical. 
We need radical. Business as usual is going to get us usual. Just saying, keep doing it. You the founding fathers were radical. I, you know what Einstein said about doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, right? Definition of insanity. And that's where our country is right now. That's right. You keep start, You keep focusing on the national elections, and you're going to watch the country dissolve in front of your eyes in the next three years. All right, so they go on to say, defining broadband as a quote-unquote information service would prevent the FCC from reclassifying Internet access. Well, I got an idea. How about you just tell the FCC you're not allowed to? Wow, that'd be too easy, huh? Just say no. Restricting the FCC's uh, Section 706 powers could also interfere with the Commission's plans for preempting state laws that prevent cities and towns from building broadband networks. Clear and reasonable rules are... Here it is again. There's no legal term reasonable that's worth a... Squat. It's just, it's an, it's an obscure word. It depends on your point of view what's reasonable. You don't do things based on reasonable. And you can't have clear and reasonable in the same sentence. Because reasonable isn't clear. We What we want is... Clear laws that state clear things within the Constitution. So anyway, clear and reasonable rules that are what every business and consumer needs and expects. This also applies to the Internet, Thune said in his announcement. Just think of the Internet as a universe and go away. The SEC currently has limited options to write rules that escape the uncertainty of litigation while protecting innovation. Government doesn't do any of that. Government has been squashing innovation for decades. Nah. The last if you want the last thing, if you hadn't paid attention, uh Obama is there, he changed our copyright. I know, you laws. say this every show. Every show you say this. <laughs> it's now first filed versus first invented. It encourages it encourages nothing. It discourages anyone without resources from trying to create anything we're turning into exactly what europe was like when everybody fled here people go over there they didn't invent squat they came over here pages of things they've invented since coming to the new world why do you think that was yes and you know what that's going to be a good segue when we finish this because what was benjamin franklin and he couldn't be now today a giant inventor and he couldn't be back then in europe either nope he couldn't but he could do it here and he did everybody did lots of people lots of immigrants when the idea, but we had a free market, and we had the the government took the constitutional part of the that they're supposed to do, and we're actually doing it, which was protecting intellectual property rights. They're not supposed to give money to the arts and the sciences, and that they're supposed to protect their intellectual, <clears throat> sorry, uh, their intellectual property rights. Um. Now we're we're not we're we're to what Europe is, what the rest of those European countries are doing, which has been always first filed. So in other words, you invent it, someone else finds out about it, who has money, goes down and files on it. 
that is now his. You do not have any, it doesn't matter if you've invented it. Doesn't matter anymore. It matters who files first. That is the only law of the land right now. And that means less people that were already not inventing stuff are going to be inventing stuff because of the crappy government intervention into everything. The same reason I didn't create numerous businesses. You bet government intervention too costly. No, there was no, there's no good way to start a business right now. Um, okay. Or actually over the last couple of decades, really. The FCC recently has limited options to write rules that escape the uncertainty of litigation. Through his hearing scheduled for Wednesday, January 21st at 2.30 p.m. is titled Protecting the Internet and Consumers Through Congressional Action. The last part voids the first part. The House Committee Subcommittee on Communications and Technology has scheduled a similar hearing for 10 a.m. on the same day. We will soon put forward a legislative plan that will protect consumers. Lies. Promote innovation. Not a chance. And investment. No way. And provide legal certainty. Nope. Subcommittee, except for the government, they'll create legal certainty for the government. Subcommittee Chairman Greg Walden, another R from OR, said, uh, Oregon, obviously Prague. There's a way you can get a, a conservative out of Oregon. That's just too funny. Uh, this hearing will show that the FCC cannot achieve that same certainty, nor do they have the authority to accomplish as much as Congress can through the legislative process. And we don't want either one of you to do anything. Like Susan said, just say no to government. Meaning, every time they want to do something, just say no. No. Oh, we're going to protect you. No. I don't want your protection. That's like dealing with the mafia. They're, they're going to protect you from themselves. <laughs> the only, that's what they thats what they do. They protect you from the government. They just, never mind. That's what all, you know, all the cronies get the protection from the government. It's the way it works. <sighs> Poor Ben Franklin. He 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 foresaw similar ends to our republic. Uh, did that, he really? uh, yeah, as did Tocqueville. Every, a lot of people did. They realized that this government was going to require the a good moral populace to control and reign in the central government. And once we didn't have that, the government went crazy. You know what? To tell you the truth, if this had become a theocracy, it would probably have been a better story. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yes, it is. That's We're really gonna, bad. I'd rather live in a, a, a sub form, a, a Christian theocracy, than Judeo-Christian theocracy, than this communist nightmare of big government status. Nonsense. I, it's just not good for we the people. Big, more government, less liberty. That's it. It, it is a direct relationship, and anyone that says otherwise is lying to you. Well, you I, can see it for yourself. Pay attention. Every time the government grows, what happens? Oh, somebody's liberties get screwed, don't they? Might not be yours yet. But remember, first they came for the blah, and I did nothing. And then they came for the da, and I said nothing. And then, finally, they came for me, and there was nobody to say anything. Well, and before we go on to um, 
one of our favorite founding fathers, Ben Franklin, because it was his birthday yesterday. I was discussing this in the chat room when you were on the founding truth about how, how we have fallen from a God-fearing, God-loving country. And with that, everything's fallen. Because you keep bringing up how much resources we had. And actually, it was in the context of when you were talking about Israel and the Palestinians. And the people in the chat room had agreed with me that the, the um, Jewish people had gotten that fertile land because they believed in God. God was going to give them fertile land. It's in the Bible. And, and, actually, it's in the Torah. And they did. But I said to, I gave them the arguments that, well, the reason that they lost it is because they broke their covenant with God, like we are going to lose ours, because ours is a fertile land. This country has so many resources, and it has so many different climates. You can take any part of the world and stick it in I know you say that all the time, and and now you said it on my radio show. No, that's (laughs) not true. We do not have the same as every place in the world. We're we're not, nothing in America is tropical. Well, Florida's tropical. No, Louisiana. it's subtropical. Okay, but we that still have... That is not tropical. All right, then I stand corrected. We have a vast <laughs> diversity of climates in the United States of America and and beautiful different formations and redwood trees and forests That's and why when we were traveling... The- lakes and deserts <laughs> and... Uh, what, what do you want? Why do you spend money going, going anyplace? To, uh, For God's exactly. sakes, it's everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Anything you want to do is everywhere. Here. Yes. Here. Here. You don't have to go anywhere. That's what they asked me when I first became a travel nurse, if I wanted any to travel anywhere outside the country because then they'd have to make specific you know, accommodations. And that was the first thing you said. You're like, we need to see our country first <laughs> before we do anything. And then once we saw it, we're done. The minute I get an airplane, <laughs> I lose all my constitutional and inalienable rights. I'm not stepping on an airplane. That's rule number one. Rule number two. I don't want to go overseas for the same reason. I will lose all my constitutional rights and unalienable rights, and I'll be disarmed in a hostile environment. And I don't want it. I don't even care. Look, I can watch it on TV <laughs> while on my computer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's a hard break. This is the Uncooperative Radio Show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. <laughs> socialists. You will be assimilated. Your individual liberties, personal freedoms, and mental individuality will be added to our own. Resistance is futile. If you are successful at what you do, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a business owner, or you have a great career, you understand the concept of protecting yourself. Well, are you protecting yourself, your family, and your assets with quality term life insurance? Consider these possible rates. A man age 45, non-tobacco user, could obtain $1 million of coverage for as little as $75 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 10 years. We specialize in policy. Policies of $500,000 and above. A man age 50, non-tobacco user, may be able to obtain $500,000 of coverage for as little as $115 a month. And this rate is fixed for the next 20 years. We have great rates for smokers, too. Call the Term Lifeline now. 
The path to restoring our republic was laid down by our founding fathers. The principles of freedom, liberty, personal responsibility, and limited government are conservative ideals we will never abandon. America is listening. Grassroots. Common sense. Conservative talk radio. It's on the Internet. Tune in now. Red State Talk Radio. Featuring some of the most popular Internet talk show hosts in America today. Are you listening? RedStateTalkRadio.com. And now, a message to freshman Tea Party back senators from Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham. Hello, this is Trent Lott. Uh, Lindsey and I just want you to know that we appreciate all that the Tea Party people did to bring you here to Washington. Yes, I love tea, and I dearly love parties. But now's the time we should all come together and sit down with the other side and listen to their ideas on how to move the country forward, while we as Republicans take a step back and walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah, we love being Republicans, and we love conservative values, uh, probably as much as we'd love being liberal Democrats if the need ever arose. What Trent means is Republicans are always at our best when we ignore all the rhetoric and noise from back home and just do the right thing. The right thing? You know what I mean. Join Trent Lott and Lindsey Graham in bringing bipartisanship back to Washington. Thank you, Howard. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations is this going to happen? You've got to get mad. I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. We're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to 
And welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. And where are we from here, boo-boo? We're going to visit Benjamin Franklin. Now, this is a brief overview of his life. I wasn't going to get into, there was a couple of sites that was like pages long because this, you could write books about these people, and they have. <laughs> of course they've written books about the people. So this is from ushistory.org, which is one of my favorite sites, and it is a brief overview of his life. And every time they say Ben, can you please say Benjamin? I just didn't like that they did that. I don't mind Ben. I imagine many people called him Ben. Hey, dance music. Everybody dance. Oh, she turned it off. She's no fun. That means I have to take my pills, say. I can't talk and swallow at the same time. I haven't figured that one out. All right. Uh, that would have been time for you to fill, Susan. I was busy. Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston. This is from ushistory.org. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston on January the 17th, 1706. He was the 10th son of a soap maker, Joshua Franklin. Benjamin's mother was Abia Folger, the second wife of Josiah. In all, Josiah would father 17 children. Josiah intended for Benjamin to enter into the clergy. Oh, 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 that's funny. (laughs) Mr. Free Love? Wow. Sorry. 17 children, Brian. It was amazing how many children we had back then. No, it really wasn't. There was not much else to do and uh, for entertainment. And my grandmother had 13 kids, so 17 back then doesn't seem like a whole lot. Uh, I mean, in our, you know, to have that many children in that day and age, in this day and age, uh, that's, that's unusual. But that's just the norm, you know, if you're... It, it was before birth control, for one thing. I mean, they had condoms, if you can call them that, uh, and stuff. But uh, and, and herbs they could take and stuff like that. But th- there wasn't all these people. Only the whores were having all this kind of unprotected sex. You know, the prostitutes. It wasn't just women in general. It wasn't women running around deciding they all want to have free love, like the Girls Gone Wild tapes. They, no respectable woman would go anywhere near that. So anyway, Josiah here. He <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, do you have to really know Benjamin Franklin to, to laugh at that? But I can't imagine Benjamin Franklin as a as a clergyman. That, that it doesn't fit at all. All right. However, Josiah could only afford to send his son to school for one year, and clergymen need years of schooling. But it was young Benjamin loved to read. Really? But as young Benjamin loved to read, he had him apprentice to his brother James, who was a printer. After helping James compose pamphlets and set type, which was grueling work, 12-year-old Benjamin would sell their products in the streets. When Benjamin was 15, his brother started the New England Courant, the first newspaper in Boston. Though there were two papers in the city before, James Courant, they... James Courant, James's Courant, they only reprinted news from abroad. James's paper carried articles, opinion pieces written by James's friends, advertisements, and news of ship schedules. 
Benjamin wanted to write for the paper too, but he knew that James would never let him. After all, Benjamin was just a lowly apprentice. So Ben began writing letters at night and signing them with the name of a fictional, a fictional widow. Silence Dogwood. No, sorry, do good. Silence do good. Duguid was filled with advice and very critical of the world around her, particularly concerning the issues of how women were treated. Ben would sneak the letters under the print shop door at night so no one knew who was writing the pieces. They were a smash hit, and everyone wanted to know who was the real Silence Duguid. After 60 letters, Ben confessed that he had been writing letters all along, while James's friends thought Ben was quite precocious and funny, James scolded his brother and was very jealous of the attention paid to him. Before the before long, the Franklins found themselves at odds with Boston's powerful Puritan preachers, the Mathers. Smallpox was a deadly disease in those times, and the Mathers supported inoculation. The Franklins believed inoculation only made people sicker. And while most Bostonians agreed with the Franklins, they did not like the way James made fun of the clergy during the debate. Ultimately, James was thrown in jail for his views, and Benjamin was left to run the paper for several issues. Upon release from jail, James was not grateful to Ben for keeping the paper going. Instead, he kept harassing his younger brother and administering beatings from time to time. Ben could not take it and decided to run away in 1723. Running away was illegal. In early America, people all had to have a place in society, and runaways did not fit anywhere. Regardless, Ben took a boat to New York where he hoped to find work as a printer. He didn't, and walked across New Jersey, finally arriving in Philadelphia via a boat ride after debarking. He used the last of his money to buy some rolls. He was wet, disheveled, and messy with his future wife, Deborah Reed, saw him on that day, October the 6th, 1723. She thought him odd-looking, never dreaming that seven years later they would be married. Franklin found work as an apprentice printer. He did so well that the governor of Pennsylvania promised to set him up in business for himself if young Franklin would just go to London to buy fonts and printing equipment. Franklin did go to London, but the governor reneged on his promise, and Benjamin was forced to spend several months in England doing print work. Benjamin had been living with the Reed family before he left for London. Deborah Reed, the very same girl who had seen young Benjamin arrive in Philadelphia, started talking marriage with the young printer. But Ben didn't, didn't think he was ready. While he was gone, she married another man. Upon returning to Philadelphia, Franklin tried his hand at helping to run a shop, but soon went back to being a printer's helper. Franklin was a better printer than the man he was working for, so he borrowed some money and set himself up in the printing business. Franklin seemed to work all the time, and the citizens of Philadelphia began to notice the diligent young businessman. Soon he began getting the contract to do government jobs and started thriving in business. In 1728, Benjamin fathered a child named William. The mother of William is not known. However, in 1730, Benjamin married his childhood sweetheart, Deborah Reed. Deborah's husband had run off, and now she was able to marry. Now, there's three things that happened back in colonial times to women, and that's why they had to, the state 
took over those different laws. Mostly people died. <laughs> so you, you were mostly a widower by after a couple years of marriage. The second thing that I found interesting when we're doing the Women of the Revolution show that I do over on Blog Talk Radio is that men quite frequently ran off on their wives. I didn't know that that would be a thing because... To go less, young man. Well, and you know, because of... When in colonial times, we were extremely pious people. I mean, they did have their red light districts, I guess you call them. But uh, that was kind of shocking to me that they would go so, against their vows. You know what I mean? Some people don't like hubbub of cities and towns, and they like to be out in the wilderness. And you're not going to bring your wife with you. Not for not back then, not for, the, not for what they were going to do. They're just going to be living amongst the lands of the Indians. You know what I'm saying? This well, is before the main push west. This is when everybody was just happy being in the colonies. Well, but there were people that wanted yeah. to have the opportunity to go and hunt and and trap trappers. And one of the first um, women of the revolution we did, Nancy Hart. She actually, her and her family lived in the frontier, which was the wilderness by the Indians. So, I mean, there was quite a few. Which that was did at that. that point on the other side of the Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah, down south mostly, mostly down down in Tennessee and uh, the Carolinas and North Carolina. And that's where your folk came. They well, wanted a, the highlands. That's the southern frontier. The frontier is west. So when you say on the frontier, it's west. Okay. Well, that's what I got confused with, too. And we had to explain to people that back then there were frontiers on the east coast. There was a frontier to the north, south, and west. But not so much to the south because they were, they were owned lands by other countries. So that really wasn't. The wilderness was to the west. But be that, be that as it may, if you went to the south or to the west, you'd pretty much feel like you were in the wilderness because there's just a lot of country and a lot of Indians. Uh, and in the beginning, we used Indians as slaves in the, in the south. So, uh, again, African-Americans, that's not even a country. You're not special. White people were enslaved other places. Oh, really? Don't think so. Um, hmm. Uh, on the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Tripoli, Libya, Middle East, Northern Africa. They were taking our people as slaves. We were white. White slavery. It existed. Yes, it did. No one talks about it. Yes, it, it the Irish. Well, it's always, it's existed for thousands of years, but I mean, <laughs> oh, nobody no. gets it right that, you I didn't know. I get it right. There were white people being thrown into slavery, both from Europe and the Americas, by the Muslims in the in North Africa. Yes, uh, because they 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 controlled the strait there, you know, and they wanted us all pay pay them not to attack our ships. And Benjamin Franklin did take care of his son, and we saw a picture of him last night. Remember, we were like, he, he looked, looked just like Benjamin him. Franklin. It was a painting. It was a little Benjamin Franklin, same high forehead. <laughs> You thought that was you thought that would happen later in life? No. no. He looks like you know, he reminds me of Bilbo Baggins. He reminds me of a hobbit. His son. It does, the way his head compared to his body. Yeah, it was a painting on that, this it, article. It has a big head, big high foot. You know, he's a little kid's body, it looked like a hobbit. Uh I d I didn't put that together all just around. I'm like, that's why it looked like But see, he did he did take responsibility for his son. In addition to running a print shop, the Franklins also everybody had to take responsibility back then runaways and orphans weren't allowed 
<laughs> so Franklin, of course, had to. But he would have wanted to anyway. But uh, I'm saying society expected it. And just for the record, as we continue with Benjamin Franklin, his son and him, in older and as they got older, were estranged because his son was a loyalist. Great. Yep. On top of everything else, an illegit- illegitimate son, and he was a loyalist, which yep. would make him a bastard, and a loyalist, which yep. makes him a double bastard. Yep. They then they didn't speak to each other at the, from the beginning, a couple years before the revolution. Now, uh, it, like I said. There was this moral notion back then. Ben Franklin was brought up in a good Christian Puritan. house, you know. So he would take. There were there were there were men of power that had kids with other women and never even acknowledged they were their children. They would never because it would lower their status in society. Uh, but not in America. It was different. Ben, well, this is early. No, it it grew to that, and the and the big wigs from England that were still running the show back then. Yep. They, they were they were corrupt and yep. they had mistresses and they did not own up to their bastard sons. That would be political and social suicide. Because you're not supposed to commit adultery. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's admitting that I'm an adulterer. And in some places, like the Puritans, that get you branded. That's the scarlet letter. Which, All right, which is banned from schools. Now. Which, by the way, I am, I, <laughs> I, I, I highly recommend if you haven't read, forget the movie. If you haven't read the Scarlet Letter, read it. The movie stinks. The book, awesome. Mm-hmm. I was really pissed when I was told well, I had to read that in Anna's English. I was like, what? Oh, couldn't it be like cowboys and Indians or something? And I really didn't want to read it. And that book sucked me in. I. I I ate it up. I thought it was the writing was great, and I I did all my reports on it was straight A's. I mean, uh, I knew that book inside and out better than anybody else in the class. It's banned from school, and I was the one who didn't want to do it. You see, sometimes you can lead a horse to water, and they will drink. You can't make them drink, but that doesn't mean they won't drink. Plant seeds. That's what we need right now, planting of seeds for the future. In uh, blah, 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 blah. addition to running a print shop, the Franklins also ran their own store at this time, with Deborah selling everything from soap to fabric. Ben also ran a bookstore. They were quite enterprising. Because no one was in their way. That's right. No one was there in were no, way. There were no government laws that gets in the way. So you can't open a business unless you pay us $100,000 first. You know, something like that. Because that's what it seems like when you have no money. And you try, you're just trying to come up with a way to make business, to make some money. And there's just no way to do it without money. Legally. In 1729, Benjamin Franklin bought a newspaper, the Pennsylvania Gazette. Franklin not only printed the paper, but often contributed pieces to the paper under aliases. His newspaper soon became the most successful in the colonies. This newspaper, among other firsts, would print the first political cartoon authored by Ben himself. During the 1720s and 1730s, the side of Franklin devoted to public goods started to show itself. He organized the Junto, a young working man's group dedicated to self and civic improvement. He joined the Masons. He was a very busy man socially. 
I don't know what it took to join the Masons back then, but now, man, you got to memorize a lot of stuff. Uh, but I don't have a problem with secret society. Sorry. We have a Mason because 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 if we follow the Constitution, it, it, there's there's nothing they can get from the government. So I can be as secret as they want. Uh, that just makes people want to join them more. I think. But look, freedom of association, ladies and gentlemen, do you forget uh, the minute you had a knee-jerk chord about the Masons because every conspiracy theorist on the planet has something to say about the Masons. Most of it a bunch of junk, by the way. Uh, the Masons literally were Masons. They were engineers. They learned engineering, building, Masons, construction, arches. They knew how to do all that stuff. Uh, and so, so did the... What do you call it? The, uh, the the Crusaders, the the uh, what was the the Knights Templar? The Templars were Masons, for instance, and that's why you go. You could follow where they've been battling all through the country because they built a church everywhere they went, and they built things in in very interesting ways. You should look into it. Uh, because there was a really good documentary about it, and it was fascinating to watch. Uh, made me want to be a Mason. But I'm not. <laughs> don't worry. I don't belong to any secret organization. It, 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 I, unless you're calling, you know, traitor of the government. But Franklin thrived on work. In 1733, he started publishing Poor Richard's Almanac. Almanacs of the era were printed annually and contained things like weather reports, recipes, prediction, and homilies. And I still want to be able to afford one today. I don't have enough free money to get my own farmer's almanac. It's depressing. Franklin published his almanac under the guise of a man named Richard Saunders, a poor man who needed money to take care of his carping wife. Carping wife. Yeah, no, bitching wife is what it means. Uh, that distinguished Franklin's almanac were his witty aphorisms and lively writing. Many of the famous phrases associated with Franklin, such as, a penny saved is a penny earned, come from poor Richard. Franklin continued his civic contributions during the 1730s and 40s. He helped launch projects to pave, clean, and light Philadelphia's streets. He started agitating for environmental cleanup. Oh my God! A conservative that wants to clean the environment. He's using his own money. All, all of us do. Not always. No, he didn't always. And he didn't always work in the foreground. He he liked to work in the background. Uh, no, there was uh, fundraising involved in this. He didn't have a lot of money right now. No, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm saying it's not from the government. Oh, no. He got rich investors. He was good at getting rich investors for certain projects. He, he does this all through his life. He, he created, I mean, a whole hospital. That no one knew he had anything to do with. It's in here. He did it all behind the scenes. Yeah, it's to in let here. everybody else take the credit. Yep. That's so word. Oh, these evil entrepreneurs—they're horrible people. But really, what makes him so special is he never looked for the spotlight, ever. Among the chief accomplices of Franklin in this era was helping to launch the library company in 1731. During this time, books were scarce and expensive. Franklin recognized that by pooling together resources, members could afford to buy books from England. 
I would imagine he's when he's talking about this, he's talking about his fellow Masons. Not say he said members. Members of what? He joined Masons. Mace, the Masonic Temple. Uh, yeah, and they're all business. It's like it's amazing. They're all intelligent. They're, they're all educated, and they're all businessmen. Always, all free, throughout history, Freemasons. That that's just the way it goes. Now you want to join? You gotta you gotta take the oath, and I can't take an oath to something I don't even know what I'm protecting yet. If this is really horrible stuff, I'm going to tell somebody. Uh, you're going around doing human sacrifices. I'm telling. I'm telling you right now. Uh, but uh, that's why I'm. That's why I'm not in the Masons. I'm like, I'm not going to agree up front to something like that. No, I'm sorry. It depends on what you're going to tell me. Anyway, I don't. I'm paying ass. So where was I? Pave and clean, environmental cleanup. Among the chief accomplishments of the area, helping launch the library. Thus was born the nation's first subscription library. In 1743, he helped to launch the American Philosophical Society. The first learned society in America. Recognizing that the city needed better help in treating the sick, Franklin brought together a group who formed the Pennsylvania Hospital in 1751. The Library Company, Philosophical Society, and Pennsylvania Hospital are all in existence today. As other Masons. Fires were a very dangerous threat to Philadelphians, so Franklin set about trying to remedy the situation. In 1736, he organized Philadelphia's Union Fire Company, the first in the city. His famous saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, was actually firefighting advice. Only you can prevent forest fires. Yeah, well, he didn't have the government involved. Notice, no government, no government, no government, no government. Right, no government. Are you okay? You seem a little tense tonight. Those who suffered the fire damage to set their homes often suffered irreversible economic loss. So in 1752, Franklin helped to found the Philadelphia Contribution for Insurance Against Loss by Fire. Those with insurance policies were not wiped out financially. The contributorship is still in business today. Franklin's pretty business was thriving in his 1730s and 40s. He also started setting up franchise printing partnerships in other cities. By 1749, they retired from business and started concentrating on science, experiments, and inventions. This was nothing new to Franklin. In 1743, he had already invented a heat-efficient stove called the Franklin Stove to help warm houses efficiently. As the stove was invented to help improve society, he refused to take out a patent. Among Franklin's other inventions are swim fins, the glass harmonica, a musical instrument. A glass harmonica, I think that's the way you fill crystal with different amounts of water to make different sound, different tones. Pretty sure. Which he wouldn't be able to do today because of all the regulations. No, you could do it today. Just It's just easier to buy a piano. Easier, it's I'm even easier to transport. About, I'm talking about his inventions. Oh, I'm talking about the glass harmonica. <laughs> I've seen that. That's a hard, that's a hard one to travel with, uh, but I have seen it on stage. And bifocals, of course. Uh, it's the seven, early 1700s. He invented bifocals. We're still using them today. 
In the early 1750s, he turned to the study of electricity. His observations include, yes, he did not invent electricity. People understood that electricity existed already. He was trying to prove something else. I hope this brings it up. In the early 1750s, he turned to study of electricity. His observations, including his kite experiment, which verified the nature of electricity and lightning brought Franklin International fame. It was, yeah, that was the point. It was supposed to show that lightning was electricity. And that was why he did it. But he already knew about electricity. But they didn't know that lightning was electricity until he proved it. Yep. See, they did say. That's why I like history, U.S. history. No, no, actually, I said it. They didn't say nearly enough. Uh, well, they did the st- no. They said the study of electricity. So that's already saying no, that electricity no, for them. No, he turned <sighs> to the study of electricity. Yes, it means it already existed. But you have to you have to explain it to the folks because everyone's told that he he invented. No, elect- he did not. No, no. Excuse me. He discovered electricity. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> I believe that was, uh, was that other scientist? I don't know. If I could get up the uh, internet without interfering with Tes- me, I would. Tesla. 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 <laughs> Tesla. you got to look up Tesla in general. You can learn a lot by studying Tesla, yeah, if you're into science at all. So in 715, he turned to study electricity, uh, nature of electricity, and lightning brought Franklin international fame. Politics became more of an active interest for Franklin in the 1750s. In 1757, he went to England to represent Pennsylvania in its fight with the descendants of the Penn family who uh, over who should represent the colony. He remained in England to 1775 as a colonial representative not only of Pennsylvania, but of Georgia, New Jersey, and Massachusetts as well. Early in his time, Broad Franklin considered himself a loyal Englishman. England had many of the amenities that Americans lacked. The country also had fine thinkers, theater, witty conversation. Oh, and loose bottled women. <laughs> I knew you were going to put that in. Things in short supply in America. He kept asking Deborah to come visit him in England. He had thoughts of staying there permanently, but she was afraid of traveling by ship. I'm not saying I know he committed adultery. He probably didn't. But in his later years, he became... He became quite of a free, free love kind of guy. They they say that in this article after his wife died. Oh, in six, 1765, Franklin was caught by surprise by America's overwhelming opposition to the Stamp Act. That it always amazed me that Franklin was taken by surprise about this. How 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 annoying can you get? I have to have a tax stamp on every piece of paper, well, you know, every card, every stamp. A, these stamps, they, they weren't stamps to send to send away your your correspondence. This is about having a stamp on every piece of paper. If you didn't have that stamp on the paper, it was illegal. You had to pay tax on every single piece of paper. Well, it's even more incredible that he had that feeling. He was a printer. I know, right? Some tells me he... This is not the wise Franklin years. <laughs> this is his youth when he had a lot to learn, obviously, because uh, I can't imagine the Stamp Act being a surprise to anybody. No, it, when I say his youth, I think of him in his 80s. You know? So to me, anything before that was his youth. So even 60s his youth. You know, so. Well, Franklin had a very interesting life. He was always busy. He was always working. He was always doing something. Uh, not, not an idle person. 
Sort of like my wife. Never, never stops. Um, his testimony before Parliament helped persuade the members to repeal the law. He started wondering if America should break free of England. Franklin, though he had many friends in England, was growing sick of the corruption he saw all around him in politics and royal circles. Oh, just like now. Franklin's big break with England occurred in the Hutchinson Affair. This is famous. Thomas Hutchinson was an English-appointed governor of Massachusetts. Although he pretended to take the side of the people of Massachusetts in their complaints against England, he was actually still working for the king. Franklin got a hold of some letters in which Hutchinson called for an abridgment of what are called English liberties in America. He sent the letters to America where much of the population was outraged. After leaking the letters, Franklin was called to Whitehall, the English Foreign Ministry, where he was condemned in public. Franklin came home. We are actually going to uh, be reviewing and talking about Anna Hutchinson, who was his wife on The Women of the Revolution. So we tomorrow... Yeah, where would they find that? Tomorrow, oh, on Blog Talk Radio. Um, I can't do it as well. BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash Halls of Valhalla. We are going to be talking about the Hutchinsons tomorrow. Good. Yep. We're talking about it tonight. I know. Everything's like merging together, Brian. He started working actively for independence. He naturally thought his son William, now the royal governor of New Jersey, would agree with his views. William did not. William remained a loyal Englishman. This caused a rift between father and son, which was never healed. Franklin was elected to the Second Continental Congress and worked on a committee of five that helped to draft the Declaration of Independence. Yes, Thomas Jefferson did not write it. He wrote the draft, the original draft, and then the committee of five corrected it. Notice the correction from inalienable, inartfully used by Thomas Jefferson, a big surprise to me, corrected to unalienable. It was, they were correct to amend it. Well, to correct it. That is an amendment, but I don't want you to get confused with constitutional amendments. There is no constitution yet. Though much of the writing is Thomas Jefferson's, much of the contribution is Franklin's. In 1776, Franklin signed the Declaration and afterwards sailed to France as an ambassador to the court of Louis XV. The French loved Franklin. He was the man who had tamed lightning, the humble American who dressed like a backwoodsman, but was a match for any wit in the world. He spoke French, though stutteringly. He was a favorite of the ladies. Several years earlier, his wife Deborah had died, and Benjamin was now a notorious flirt. That was a notorious flirt. That doesn't mean he do anything. In part, via Franklin's popularity, the government of France signed a treaty of alliance with the Americas in 1778. Franklin also helped secure loans to persuade the French they were doing the right thing. Franklin was on hand to sign the Treaty of Paris in 1783 after the Americans had won the revolution. Now a man in his late 70s, Franklin returned to America he became president of the Executive Council of Pennsylvania. 
He served as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention and signed the Constitution. One of his last public acts was writing an anti-slavery treatise in 1789. Franklin died on April the 17, 1790, at the age of 84. Oh, may I point out, he was an abolitionist before the Constitutional Convention ever convened. There was a large contingent, mostly of the northern states, who were abolitionists. They did not approve of slavery. They considered it immoral. But there was no way to get the southern states to agree without allowing them to have slaves. There was no choice. There was the great compromise of three-fifths that, you know, some people tell them, see, you were just thought of three-fifths of a person. That's not true. They, were th- they, they knew there were persons, and they wanted to free them, but they couldn't. They had to come up with a compromise that would work to keep the Union together to fight off Britain. Well, they didn't have to fight off Britain. They already won. The War of 1812, not taught in school, now being conspiracy theory to death, and it's all nonsense. The War of 1812, we won. Yes, they took the capital, they burned it to the ground, but while they did that, we were beating them in, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Louisiana. Uh, in other words, we sacrificed the District of Columbia for the states. That, see, that's a different attitude. They didn't give a crap about the District of Columbia. No, they did They had to protect the states. Yes, and it was really, that you bring that up, we actually did... Uh, we review Dolly Madison and James Madison on the Women of the Revolution, and she actually saw her, the White House that she had created because she, with their own money, um, redecorated it, made it a more stately place so that people from other countries, they had to accommodate people of other countries and le- be legitimate because we were such a young comp- country. She watched it burn to the ground and... She was. She said, my country is more important than my house. And it wasn't her house. It was our house. Well, She, she said, was a public servant. Yes. Don't forget that. And, and she did. She would go out amongst the people. She was very much aware oh, that she that. was a public but, servant. I'm just pointing out the way you're saying it. I doubt she viewed it that way. No, because she didn't. it she was didn't. never her house. The, it no, was her temporary said, home. She said the White House. That's Because the home is where the heart is. Uh, she actually was instrumental in taking all the important papers out. She stayed behind. She was the last. And there's all a bunch of conspiracy theorists out there that said we didn't even win the war of eighteen twelve. We lost it. That's not true. How could that be possible? Well, they took the capital and they stayed there, and we didn't beat them out of the capital. That's not true. I don't care about they. They left the capital yes, to come to come and fight <laughs> us because we were kicking their backside. They were only there for two days. And, and then the other thing about the nonsense with the not having enough soldiers, and that's why because he had soldiers, he needed soldiers to fight Napoleon. No, this was a time in eighteen twelve when Napoleon retreated and went for Russia and. For and once, they, England didn't have to fight France, and they took those resources and put them right back to taking us yep, over because yep. it was always the crown's intent to take us yep, back. Exactly. And you know how I know we succeeded? They didn't take us back. That's victory. Uh, you people can't make up your own little what you think is victory. 
Well, if they didn't take the capital back, they they didn't win. The capital Look, has nothing to do with the matter, rest of the world. It doesn't matter. What matters is we stayed independent and rebuilt the capital, yes. and and they'd lost. They did not have us anymore. And they only stayed in the capital for two friggin' days. They decimated everything the cons- that they could, you know, and if then the they cons- burned it. You know, I got a real serious problem. If you're going <laughs> to interact with me on the internet... No, seriously. Could you just be an intelligent conspiracy theorist? Because the doofuses ones are getting boring. I mean, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They buy into every conspiracy theory on the planet, and they don't. And their facts on history are completely wrong because they choose to go. Oh, I'm going to be. Oh, I want to go alternative. I'm going to learn alternative history. There is no alternative history. This is history. What you learn in school, that's alternative history. It's garbage. What you? That's it. It's garbage. But you probably know about the founding of our nation. Absolute crap. You What you think you know about the Constitution, I guarantee is absolute crap. It's nonsense. It's drivel. It's not real. It's an illusion that they have painted around your Constitution and you've accepted. You want big nanny, big government, central government, but you don't want them to be mean to us. Well, you know, you give a government power. What What, what does government do all the time? They abuse it. Here's the, here's an idea. Don't give them powers that you don't want them to have. Or that basically they have no business having. Back to the Constitution. Back to liberty. Back to free markets. No Keynesian economics. Sorry, all you idiots that studied that. That is nonsense. That is something you should just purge from your brain and start over. Go look up the Austrian School of Economics. That. It just makes sense. It's just common sense. I know we don't have it anymore. It's dead. I did the eulogy. But come on. Can we bring it back to life, please? A little common sense before you buy into every nonsense you hear. Oh, I'm just going to buy into anything that says I hate America. And anything that goes along that, I'm going to believe. Well, stop. Because you don't hate America. You hate that government. That government isn't America. Not the United States. Not the Constitutional Republic. We don't even have a republic right now. Sorry. You got to... Democratically elected democracy. How do you know it's a democracy, Brian? When you hear elections have consequences. That's a democracy. In other words, the majority party can do whatever it wants because it won. The Constitution prevents that. It says, no, you can't. You can win, but now you can only do this because this is all the people said we're allowed to do. They don't like that because they wanted to do so much more. From the very beginning, they just kept trying to steal power. From the very first Congress. There's someone debating on my timeline that just doesn't understand he's using all the wrong terminology. To I know a point they're trying to make, and yet they're blowing it. Just don't go into dribble. The The nature of the of the universe is tyranny. No, it's not. The tendencies of government are towards tyranny. The natural state of the world is anarchy. And one is the opposite of the other. So could, you see, you can't, they don't even make any sense. They argue this nonsense. And I'm like, what came out of your mouth isn't even remotely true. <laughs> it's amazing. They spew stuff like they're, oh, I know everything. And then it's like... This is a pretty basic thing. If you can't understand this, you don't understand anything. 
And that's the, and that tends to be the case. Don't understand anything. So I, I stopped bothering talking to them because I don't cast pearls to swine. And uh, I'll keep casting pearls to you that you'll keep turning into wondrous trees that bear delicious fruit. Back to Benjamin Franklin. In part via Franklin's popularity, the government of France signed the Treaty of Alliance with the Americans in 1778. Franklin also helped secure loans and persuade the French they were doing the right thing. I know I'm reading it again, but it's important, and I rambled on. Franklin was on hand to sign the Treaty of Paris in 1783 after the Americans had won the revolution. Now a man of his late 70s, Franklin returned to America. He became president of the Executive Council of Pennsylvania. He served as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention and signed the Constitution. One of his last public acts was writing an anti-slavery treatise in 1789. Franklin died on April the 17th, 1790, at the age of 84. 20,000 people attended the funeral of the man who was called the Harmonious Human Multitude. His electric personality, however, still lights the world. 20,000 20, people now is jaw-dropping. 20,000 people back then? That's like everybody. That, that's amazing. That's how many lives he touched. And, you know, every year we tell the See, he's story. not going to get reincarnated. He succeeded. <laughs> he got it to the finish line. He succeeded. He 20,000 people. That's an accomplishment. Forget everything else. He did all that without making enemies. That's what made him special. He didn't divide. He united. He was. He knew what to say and what not to say, when to say it, and who to say it to. It, when he was at convention, he was trying to school his younger firebrands in this uh, because, you know, you're young, you're full of ah, and he has to explain realities of life to you. If you want to get something done, you're going to have to get people to agree with you. But right now, we are past that point. I am not going to... Oh, um, no, it's over. No, we still need to treat... We need to still make our case. We still need to teach history. We still need to educate the people so that through that education, they can stand up for what is rightfully theirs and return, a, return ourselves to the Constitutional Republic. I don't know if you how much you're going to get of, through this, and I don't know what you want to do about it, but I just want to tell the folks, this is the delegation that was from Pennsylvania. I like to read this every once in a while so people hear their names. Is that okay? Go ahead. Okay. But the Pennsylvania delegation was George Clymer, C-L-Y-M-E-R. Yeah, like the, like the manuals, Clymer. Clymer. Benjamin Franklin, Robert Morris, John Morton. George Ross, Benjamin Rush, James Smith, George Taylor, and James Wilson. Because these were all founding fathers. So I always framers. Like to bring in framers, exactly. Also founding farmers. Yep. Um, yeah, understand, too, that uh, there was a lot more people than signed. Uh, how many signatures were there? I think there was 55 delegates, somewhere around that number, 55 Uh to the convention, only one person would speak from every state as a spokesperson, obviously, for the group. Otherwise, it would have been chaos. Uh, but yeah, they they all voted. They all this was a lot more. Everyone, oh, they stole, they didn't steal anything. Oh, and I forgot Governor Morris. 
Don't ever forget Governor Morse. We like Governor Morse. <laughs> he he was a good patriot. He's he was a very important man. As was uh the guy who signed all four founding documents. Uh I'm Roger Sherman. Roger Sherman was the only founding father to sign all four of our founding documents. If you don't know what four founding documents I'm talking about, then you've got to go back and listen to the Patriots Pub because you'll find out. I'm not telling you. I want you to go listen to Patriots Pub and get an education. Somebody came on um, Mark Levin's show on Friday and quoted something from the Constitution. And then when Mark Levin asked him where that came from, he had no idea. Right. Are it, you freaking kidding me? Well, because it came from the Declaration of Independence, not the Constitution. I'm, I'm sorry, the Declaration of Independence. But he didn't even know what that came no, from. No, he thought it was from the Constitution. No, no, he didn't know at all. He did not know at all when he asked him. He said, do you know what doc- founding document that came from? And he said, no. No, and he was a young kid. Okay, well, we'll move on. If you can't even read the Declaration of Independence, it's not that long. Uh, you should, you should go back, especially the first part before all the, all the charges. That's, that's universally telling you that we have a right, if we want to, to create a whole new government to serve us. We don't have to deal with it. We don't have to do what that national government says. They have to do what we say. It's about time we start pounding our chest a little more, I think. All right. I don't know how far I'll get with this, but, uh, North Carolina precedent for judicial review. This is a. This is not North Carolina present. This is North Carolina ancient, um, colonial times. I believe this was. Let's see if they tell you. I know the case they're talking about because I did it. But uh, the Singleton case was. It's very complicated historical thing to go over. But let's see what we're doing here. This is from Judicial Review from NewsObserver.com. The first time the Supreme Court applied the doctrine was in the landmark case, 1803 case of Marbury v. Madison, when the High Court held that it is the ultimate arbiter of whether a state enacted by Congress, a statute enacted by Congress, violates the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, where in the Constitution did it give them that power? And if not, how did they take it for themselves? This is an important, if you really want to learn something, Go really diligently investigate Marbury v. Madison. There's so much going on in there and in the election of 1800 in general and the Federalists. Uh, you want to be, you want some conspiracy? There you have it. There's, it's not a theory. It was a conspiracy. What few appreciate is that before Marbury case, lawyers and judges in North Carolina played a key role in establishing the principle of judicial review. In the case of Bayard v. Singleton, decided 225 years ago in May 1787. This This is under the Articles of Confederation. The Constitution isn't even written yet. Yeah. All that. Yeah, it's not even written yet. Uh, so this, this I remember this case. Someone actually did a, a, a documentary on it. 
the court, the state court, decided it, although it was not in the Constitution of the state, uh, uh, yeah, the state, Arles of Confederation, that they had the right to decide, and only they, what was to be constitutional or not. Based on the notion of if not us, who? Just like the Supreme Court. Read Marbury v. Madison. It argues, if not us, who? I'll tell you who. Me, you, people. We the people run this country. We decide. And the states, the state governments are our initial creation. And we needed a central thing to do central things. And then we created the central thing. But still, the states are higher than the central thing. They created it. They, they are supposed to be in charge of it. They are supposed to ensure that that thing never bothers us. That's not what we live in. We live in, we don't live in the United States of America, not the constitutional United States. We live in an illegal version where the national government has completely stolen power for itself and is bankrupting our country and are ruining the future of our children and our lives. I'm sorry, I have watched this economy fall from the 70s to now. And enough is enough with these damn government political cockroaches. They, we need to take it back. Elections are not going to have consequences. Elections will have no consequences because the Constitution, the rule of law, will be followed regardless of who's in power. Sorry, no winner takes all. Well, and that's one of the things I want to bring I'd up. I'd have real to go quick. into this really deep. I, I <laughs> yeah, actually did, I know. did this in the Patriots. Club. I know. That's why I, I figured we wouldn't get to it. But there's a couple of questions that I want everybody to remember out there. First of all, if your elected cockroaches are going to. Um, a point. Well, what do they do? Do they the judges go before them and they give them questions? Well, that's for the the federal courts. But any judge that you are going to vote for in your own state, you should ask them this question: Do you believe that the judicial, um, what do you call it, branch of any government has the power of review? Judicial, judicial review. review. Or another good question to ask them is, what is judicial review? And they're all going to say yes, by the way. Anyway, because this is how the majority of the people believe the system is supposed to work because it's worked that way their whole lives. And God, you don't want to actually go out and have to educate yourself. That takes time away from your free time with your family. You know, on the TV, it's busy, busy. Don't have time for this. Well, then listen to the Patriots Pub because you can listen to it when you're stuck in traffic. And you'll be the smartest, smartest person in the room. But seriously, first, all right, maybe the most informed. We I should, can't see. I can't and we and um, unfortunately, here in the state of Montana, we vote for the judges, but it's very limited in the information that they give none, us. None, none, not even a postcard. None. So they never get my vote. Never. But if you do, have I wrote. A chance, I write myself in. So if you do have a chance, you ask first of all, what is your definition of judicial review? You want to know what they think it is. Well, right? they know what it is. I know, but I wanted I want them to tell me. What it, I don't know what you say if next question is, okay, why? What judicial argument would you make for the courts to decide whether something is constitutional or not? Go. And then another question to I ask. I love saying that to people when I tell them to do something. They just, they just go. Just end the conversation. Go. Go do it. And the second, uh, another question to ask your elected cockroaches, especially at the town meetings, 
when enacting a law, what is the first question you must ask yourself? Well, whether state and federal would be different. Okay, so we'll start with the state. What would be when an and state constitution exactly, and then when is the statute does it does it actually comply with the powers we gave it in our state constitution, in our town charter, in our county charter, etc. Do you even know what your county charter is? No, but it's the con. It's, it's no, the, I'm asking the folks out oh, there. No, it's the constitution of the town. Is what it is. They just call it a charter. Same thing. It's the same thing under a different name. It's a, it's a, it's a document that lays out the powers that are granted to it to serve the citizenry. And we decided what it was, and no more. If it doesn't say it, you can't do it, unless you amend. The charter slash constitutions. And, you know, this is very important because I had this conversation with our daughter because she's um, the a troop leader in an organization she's trying to get to counteract the Girl Scouts, which is called the American Heritage Girls. Look it up online if you have little girls out there that you want to uh, have an alternative to. It's a really good organization. But even to the point where I had to say, well, what the heck is in your bylaws? Because even down to the smallest corporation, you have to have bylaws. Bylaws is nothing but a constitution. Exactly. And she had no idea. So I made her give me a copy of all of it. I'm like, you know, if they're going to be involved with me, (laughs) I want to know them. But that's the mindset, Brian, that everyone has to start having. Even down to if you own a business, your employees need to know what the policies are. That's a mini little constitution. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. Actually, not so many. Uh, usually it's larger at the local and state level than the federal because the federal not supposed to have any power. Exactly. That's why it's so small. It's only a couple pages. Well, the parchment pages, it was only there was only a couple pages. Uh, it, but this is the mindset we have to start asking ourselves. Do I know my local county charter? Do I know what my school board um The answer to that would invariably be you don't. And I understand that. I really do, because it's a lot of work. It's a pain in the ass. And unless you're really motivated, which is what I try and get people to do on the show, is get motivated to not just listen to me, but to do something about it. Because that's why I do this. I do this for you to do something about it, not for you just to listen to me. I don't get paid for commercials that just appear on my show. So go. Anyway, <laughs> this has been the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from uncooperativeblogger.com. You're listening on cooperativeradio.com. And say goodnight, Susan. Good night, Susan. And we're out of
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.